on episode 71 of the new 8 Days of Geek podcast. Pokemon Go updates, Nintendo busts out the banhammer, and Alexa goes Zork up in this bitch. Stay tuned. to another episode of the new eight days of geek podcast i'm your host jesse miller and joining me as always the man who it is frankly too goddamn early to be dealing with sean scott i assumed you were gonna go with like me bitching about the beta testing and stuff like that everybody bitches about beta testing that's not new (laughs) not exciting not funny so i just figured the fact i'll go with the fact that it's the well for us on the weekend it's a butt crack of dawn I don't wake up this early on the weekends, typically, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's uh, go ahead and hit the blurbs. Uh, I am responsible for the first three of these. Oh, oh well. Uh, <clears throat> Amazon leaks Prime Day. Um, those of us who are Amazon Prime customers know that Prime Day is the day that supposedly Amazon has their own little personal Black Friday. It's give or take, because sometimes you can find decent deals, but most of the time it seems like they're just pandering to your shopping habits and trying to sell you shit just, in, just randomly. And it's not necessarily a great deal. It'd be like a dollar off or two dollars off or something like that. Uh, this most recent Prime Day from uh, the one last year was not too bad, but the one before that was just ridiculous, and they caught so much crap for it. Um, so let's see here. Um, July 16th is what we're, what we're seeing as kind of the leak starts at noon on July 16th. Um, they're saying it's a day and a half, you know, so it'll be 16th and the 17th, I guess. Um, that is the day after the world cup final. So that would, you know, kind of lines up with a real world event. So, you know, Hey, if you're a prime customer, keep your eyes open. Coming July sixteenth. See what uh, see if they start tweeting things out. Uh, see here, Red Dead Redemption. I am one of those people that is um, a PC gamer first, a console gamer second. Second, so if a game comes out on PC, you can guarantee I will probably get it there, unless it's a multiplayer title and I just really want to play it with friends. Uh, so. I was a little bummed out when a game that could be as pretty on PC hardware as Red Dead Redemption 2 had absolutely no mention of a PC version. Uh, well, there was a... Uh, let me see if I can find this person. I don't think they actually put the name. Uh, it was on LinkedIn. And... Yeah, that's a, that's a text message. You can, just, you can go screw yourself right there. <laughs> Uh, so, on LinkedIn, the uh, there was a. I'm trying to find the name of the uh, the group. 
it was a company I believe that does coding for um, yeah developer who previously worked on Rockstar or worked with Rockstar as a programmer on Eleanor and Grand Theft Auto Five. Also listed Red Dead Redemption Two on their work history, and included the platforms PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Now, it could have been something as simple as them copying and pasting from Grand Theft Auto Five, but in my heart of hearts, I hope it wasn't because Red Dead Redemption Two on PC would be gorgeous. Uh, so yeah, I mean. Obviously, as soon as this was reported, it was removed. Rockstar likes to keep tight lips on their <coughs> PC versions, so that doesn't surprise me that they haven't mentioned anything about it. We'll see. It would be awesome if it was, though. Please be true. Uh, next one here, a little bit of a sad one. Coco the gorilla. That was the gorilla that learned sign language. Uh, she has passed away at 46. I was actually unaware gorillas lived that long to be honest. Sounds very short-sighted of me, but I just never thought about it before. Yeah. So, bummer. Um, she was also, she was one of the one, the gorilla that Robin Williams talked to, and I love looking at pictures of that. That that was a, that was a really fun little interaction. Yeah. Do you remember Coco the gorilla, Sean? Sure. I mean, she was like popular when, when both of us were in school. <clears throat> right. I mean, you it know. sounds familiar. I don't. I I was wondering what this was in the stories. You know, uh, I was like, what did this have to do with like television or movies or whatever in any way? It's childhood. If you say so, because Coco the Gorilla was like a big thing in my childhood. Apparently, I mean, it just she was all over the news when I was a kid. So, you know, it's just it's a bummer. It's kind of like uh, you know, it's it's kind of like the Reading Rainbow era of kids, I guess. Okay, yeah. but I mean, like, but like, what did you learn from Coco the gorilla? You know what I mean? Like that a gorilla it's can not learn like freaking sign language. That's but it's not I like learned. Coco was on TV and you came home no, to Coco every not. morning or every afternoon after school and she taught you sign language. You no, know, I don't. But it teaches you that an animal is smart. And up until that point, gorillas were considered just animals by most people. But then you give the a gorilla an animal who doesn't have the. Uh, ability of speech you give them the ability to communicate clearly and suddenly all this information starts coming out i feel like you let this gorilla affect your life more than many people uh, many other people would have uh, or did well, i feel like she meant the, the gorilla meant a lot more to you than it did to uh to to, to, other, to the rest of us well, maybe you're just all dead inside maybe <laughs> all right not fine. denying that either fine do yours do my oh my story yeah oh yeah uh, the, so uh, the show on NBC Timeless uh, oh that has been canceled previously and then brought back based on the you know fervor of its fan base uh, has once again been canceled by NBC so sorry guys uh, it doesn't look like you're gonna it doesn't look like you're gonna bring it back this time um, and clearly not enough people were watching to keep it on television in the first place. So um, that's it. Not, nothing much else to report there. Just that uh, Timeless NBC is officially said is done after another, uh, season two. You know, uh, I don't care about that, Sean. 
Nobody, well, neither do nobody, I. I don't nobody, even watch the nobody show. Nobody cares about that. No, that means so much more to you than everyone else. <laughs> I mean, at least I was talking about something that we talk. I mean, we don't have like a gorillas segment. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at least it was a TV show. It's TV news. You okay. know, if we had like a weekly animal death segment, oh, okay. then it would have your your story would have slipped right in. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, uh, <laughs> by the way, that text message I got was a uh, a friend of mine saying uh, we were talking about Fallout seventy six, and he goes, "I think Sean plays on Xbox too. We should start a clan and all leave the vault together." Are you going to be buying uh, Fallout 76 when it comes out, Sean? Or are you going to be like you normally do and wait five freaking years? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, didn't have have they announced exactly what it is? Like, yeah, have they ex- have they explained exactly what it is? Because I didn't. I just stopped paying attention. Like, anytime marketing <laughs> goes beyond, wow. like you know, the whole like teaser, and then like I just expect you know like. I expected their uh, their press conference uh, at E3 like that day uh-huh. to give me 100% of the details I needed, and it gave zero percent of the details that you needed. Really? And I it yeah, gave a they lot. no, they told you they didn't even explain whether it was a console or an online game. It's an the, online at, game. At the thing, and and see, and that's that's all I need to know. No, now, I will see, not be is, playing it. No, I will not be thing, buying it. No, I will is, not though, be doing anything. It's an online game, but you can play solo. You don't have to be in a team or anything well what's the what i don't even understand how what that means well they said like, that it'll work either way you can play solo or you can play with friends it doesn't matter the but the thing that i thought you would like gravitate towards was the fact that it, the map is supposed to be four times larger than fallout 4s i mean yeah that sounds super awesome but i'm not gonna i don't i don't understand I, i'm already confused and this just makes me angry like i'm already <laughs> confused at the fact that you can say it's an online game but you can play by yourself well, well no okay. those no hold on let me finish <laughs> those things in my world of video games are oh. mutually exclusive okay if you are playing online you are playing with other people therefore an online game you play by yourself does not exist and there is like I don't understand now. I'm now I'm even more confused as to what kind of game they're trying to make, and that makes me angry and and want to play it even less. Well, it could depend because something like the game Sea of Thieves, for instance, uh, you know, you can play with a group of people, or I can create a private crew and just you know go out on the seas by myself. Are you talking about maybe the other side of like people, like not people in your group, but like you know random passers-by in the wasteland? That's what you're talking about by multiple people, right? I don't know. What do you mean? <clears throat> uh, playing like so, I don't you want to be the I, only? You want to be the only living human being, real life person in the whole map, right? That's what yes. you're getting at. Okay. Yes. I don't know if it has that ability. Oh, see, if it doesn't have that, then I don't want to play it. But why not? I mean... Why do I want to play any of that stuff? I've never... I don't play online games. I want nothing to do with any of those people out there playing games. And then I, I understand. I want to play with them. I do. I, like, the, the internet is a terrible, horrible, awful place, and I want nothing to do with the people that infest it. I, I completely agree with you, and that is what I call my multiplayer anxiety, where I just have a big problem playing multiplayer games because I, I get anxious when strangers come up to me and start like expecting me to play the game with them. 
So I completely understand. <clears throat> but my love of the Fallout series overrides that. Number oh, one. I don't love anything that much. And, <laughs> and number two, I am going. I'm, I'm going to get it on a system where I have friends who play it, and that I feel less intimidated if I'm playing in a group of friends. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I haven't played an online game oh, like that since not. Red Dead Redemption or Call of Duty. Like, oh, wow. and 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 I was not good at those. And 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 that's that's the thing is like now you're playing online, and I'm playing even with my friends. I'm playing with all these people who are just better at video games because they spend more time playing than I do. And then you suck, and you don't contribute to the team. And it's like, well, then all I get to do is listen to people tell me how worthless I am at this game that I'm trying to play that's supposed to entertain me and you know and it's that's why online games are not fun sounds like you need a new group of friends <laughs> like that well that's just like what the internet is that's what i'm saying like I, yeah, it's just yeah. no matter where you go you know uh i don't know now obviously like this could be different like if it's just you know you know a private group of you and your friends only playing i don't know how the game works i don't you know i don't feel like in, anything has been explained well enough for someone like me to feel comfortable ever even thinking about playing this game. I have never even like read the back of an Elder Scrolls online box. Yeah. I love Elder Scrolls like just that. as much. I love Elder Scrolls just as much as Fallout. And they have never even come within a thousand miles of being able to market that game to somebody like me. And oh, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, Fallout has is just as far away with this thing. So like they're going to have to make like incredible leaps and bounds to try to sell me on some kind of online BS because I do not play that stuff. Okay. Well, I'll reply back to him. No, Sean is just being a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who are we talking about anyway? Um, Miss I don't uh, even... the Grimmy Fish. Ms. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Because uh, he, he and I have been talking about, because um, I pre-ordered it on PC, and then he was like, oh man, I'm probably getting it on Xbox, you should get it there, and then I'm like, well, shit. You know, I, I don't want to play alone, so obviously I'm probably just going to get it on Xbox instead. See, yeah. like, I, I, I don't know, like, I only want to play alone like, well, I, I never sit down at a video game and go, wish I had somebody to play this with. It depends on the game, really, because like I'm playing Sea of Thieves and I, I'm playing it solo, but I would really I think it'd be really fun to play it with some friends and just, you know, basically just fuck around on the water. <laughs> just, that's basically all it is. I don't know. even know what that game is. <clears throat> it it looks fun. If you um if you weren't such a, uh, you know, such a curmudgeon, I would ask you to play it, but. You don't have it. You don't have Game Pass in your curmudgeon, so it's not very conducive yeah. to playing the game. I mean, how look how hard it is to like to to for for just you and I to get together for two hours to sit and record this stuff, and yet now now I need to carve out time in a day so I can make sure that you and me and somebody else are all available to go play Fallout at the same time. Like I can't just come home from work and play my video game. Well, you know, I, on something like from what I've gathered anyway. Um, oh, you mean they haven't explained it well enough? <laughs> not, I wouldn't say well enough. They've explained it well enough for me to buy it. Uh, but 
from what I've gathered, this is going to kind of be more of a persistent online game, which means that the game is playing regardless if you're logged in or not. So anybody can be playing, and then, you know, late at night, you're like, oh, I need to go get the last piece for my power armor and put it together in our base. And so you log in, you go get the piece, you come back to your base, you put it together, and oh, hey, one of your friends might have just logged in, and then you guys decide, oh, we got an hour or so, let's go run a quest, you know? Kind of like, almost like a, uh, you know, World of Warcraft type of a uh, MMO MMORPG type of a deal. Oh, man. See, and as soon as you throw out the... World the, of Warcraft. As soon as... You, well, yeah, like, you just used so many phrases that just made me, like, ugh. Like, it just... It brought... It brought a, it brought the bile up in my mouth. I mean, you, you use the term World of Warcraft. You use the term MMORPG. I mean, I want nothing to do with any of those things. Like, I'm... I'm not... I don't know. Like, I am too casual and stupid of a gamer. Like, we... You know, you said it but when we, before we even started recording when I was complaining about betas and saying how dumb they are. Uh, why would anyone want to play the glitchy, crappy version of a game before the good one comes out? I would rather wait an entire year until all the bugs have been fixed in the patches before I even start playing the game. Um, I, can't, I don't understand how you can do that. Like, it kills me once the game is out. If I'm not, if I don't have it on my system day one, like when a game can't preload and I, I pre-order it but I have to wait until the day it releases to download it and play it, as opposed to downloading it beforehand and then being able to play it on the day of. I, I don't like that. That makes me angry. Oh, see, you know what makes me angry is even waiting a year and and playing the game, uh, you know, uh, a year after it's been released and all the, you know, all the bugs are, are fixed through the patches. Well, most of the bugs, that's the problem is that I wait a whole year and then I still have quests that I can't eliminate from my, from my, uh, you know, from my list because they were done in a certain order or some item is glitched in my inventory or whatever. Like that makes me furious. Like the fact that I can't get rid of that one stupid item from my pack or I can't get that I I you know I'm more of a completionist like I need to see my quest list empty you know I like the fact that I can't do that drives me up a wall and and yeah I don't know <sighs> why would I want to play the glitchy buggy version of a game instead just to tell them how they need to fix their own crap like you shouldn't have put it out with the crap not fixed in the first place like why aren't you beta testing your own stuff i don't i don't get it i don't understand i'm just not a video gamer person well i mean you're you're a video gamer person you're just not i don't know i'm as you're very as narrow you have a narrow beam I guess I am. I'm as and as casual and I don't as as easily. Uh, um, I don't even know as as I could easily just give it all up. You know what I mean? Uh, like I could just never play a video game again starting tomorrow and never look back. You know. All right. Well, we'll move on into video games. <laughs> into video games. <laughs> Gaming. <laughs> Uh, that was just a primer. That, that was priming you up. <laughs> uh, okay, have you opened? This is up? pretty interesting. Video game news. This is. Have you opened up yeah. your Pokemon Go lately? I have. Okay, have you friended anybody? I have. All right. So Pokemon Go now has, and <laughs> it didn't take very long because I got the announcement that they were going to do this, and it was level capped. And then, like the next day, someone said, "Hey, add me as a friend." 
And I'm like, I can't. I'm not high enough level. And I look and I'm like, oh, shit. They took the level cap away. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it was the same way for me. I didn't even read anything about a level cap. I had just read uh, like the announcement that they were going to institute the update. And then I think it was 24 to 48 hours after I read the news, it was live. So, yeah. so now we have the ability to do trading and gifting. Uh, so what it is is you can trade Pokemon, pocket monsters, if you will, between um, users who are friends. You have to add them as a friend. And uh, I forget what it is. It's 100 meters, I think, is the limit. You have to be within 100 meters of each yeah. other. And you can send them Pokemon, you know, trade Pokemon between the two of you using uh, Stardust as kind of a, I don't know what you'd call it. It's It's a fee. You know, to trade your Pokemon. Uh, you can also do gifting, which is where every once in a while, when you spin a Pokestop or something like that, you'll get a you'll get a gift as one of the items, and you can send that to any of your friends that you want. It's well on its way to being what I wanted, but it's not all the way there yet. I want not only to be able to trade Pokemon. I want to be able to trade items. But sure. Since items have a monetary value, I honestly doubt they'll ever put that in. Because someone <clears> could then just right. basically make a game out of spinning Pokestops all day long and then trading items for Pokemon, you know, if they really wanted to. Yeah, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Oh, I, yeah. Although I feel like some items don't necessarily have a monetary value. I mean, there are some items you can't buy in the game. You know, you can't buy it through the shop. You can only yeah. get them from spinning Pokestops and things like that. So here you go. So I just got a gift from one of my friends. <clears throat> it says, greetings from the Maui Brewing Company. He's in Hawaii. Um, so I got a gift and I tapped on it and I hit open. Uh, funky little animation <coughs> there. Five Ultra Balls, four Max Ooh. Potions. Nice. Ooh. And our friendship level increased one heart. So now we're friends. That's a, I mean, that's, I don't, I, th th that's the first time I've ever even heard of like what the gifts entail. I know, right? Like I, I started mine, you know, I turned mine on the other day. I added like two people to it, but I have not spun any Pokestops to be able to send any gifts. And so I was not aware of like what gifts you would get in general, whether it was one item or multiple items. And the idea of being given, you know, what was that? Four, five Ultra Balls and four Max Potions? Like that's a, that's a good amount. I mean, four, four Ultra Balls, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Five so. Ultra Balls, four Max Potions. I just sent my trainer code to you if you want to add me as a friend. Gotcha. Do you want to uh, you want to give out your trainer code in the show notes? Maybe not on not on the air, but maybe in the show notes we can post them in there. If anyone wants to add us as uh, friends, I don't think there's a they haven't announced a limit uh, of how many friends you can have, and it doesn't show like one of two hundred or whatever. It just so it just shows that I have one friend. Right. Um, what's interesting is it does show you what they're doing. Like the last entry in their journal, because I see yeah. here that my my buddy caught a, a an Eevee. Yeah, I haven't uh, played around with it a whole lot. I believe you can access their inventory and scroll through their Pokemon and stuff like that, can't you? God, this dude's caught five thousand Pokemon. My God, Rob, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, look! I received a gift. Hold on. Now that I've Ooh. turned this on, 
Nice. Okay. Hold Let's, on. What'd you get? What'd you get? Uh, let me let me go in and check. Greetings from Agnes Moorhead at the St. Louis Walk of Fame. <laughs> uh, okay. And that was from my friend Jay Pullman. Yeah. Five five Ultra Balls, two Max Revives. Nice. Okay, so five Ultra Balls and two Max Revive. Friendship level increased to one little heart. Yeah. Now, so. the uh, friendship levels, um, they dictate things, uh, I believe, like uh, how, expen- how how much Stardust it takes to trade Pokemon, yes. things like that. You get discounts and benefits the more friend level you are. Um, i trying to think here. Okay. Um, I don't have an actual listing of what the levels are. It's like friend, good friend, great friend, or best friend. Um, there's four. There's four uh, levels. Uh, let's see here. Let me see if I can look it up. Um, I have sent a friend request to Pen of Doom. Go friend levels. Please Google. See what we got. How to add friends for the trainer code. I don't care. Here we go. All right. So good friend. A number of days to unlock. So they don't say whether this is congruent days that you have to do something with your friend or if it can just be the number of days total that you guys have interacted uh, in one way or the other. A good friend is one day. So you get the ability to trade and send and receive gifts. Um, See, a great friend, seven days. You get a small Stardust discount on trading, small gym and raid attack bonus. And plus one to your raid capture balls if you perform, you know, if you fight in raids. Right. Um, Ultra friend is 30 days to unlock. You get a medium discount on Stardust trading, medium gym and raid attack bonus, and a plus two on raid capture balls. And then the best friend is 90 days. You get a large discount on Stardust, large gym and raid attack bonus, and four raid capture balls. <clears throat> so when they say for all these, these days, I wasn't paying that much attention. When they say uh, ninety days, thirty days, whatever, uh-huh. are they just saying you have to be friends for that many days? You have to do. You have to interact with each other that many days. Now they so don't every day. I have to interact with someone. Well, see, like, like actually, like send a gift or something, or you have to either send a gift uh, or let's see. Uh, you can. Uh, imp- this is according to Eurogamer.net. You can improve your friendship level with a friend in two ways. Sending gifts or participating in raids and gym battles together. Jeez, yeah, this is never going to happen for me either. But the thing is, they don't say whether or not this has to be consecutive days. <clears throat> oh, okay. So if we See, end up sending saying, like, each other con- 90 gifts over the course of a year, we end right. up being best friends if it's not consecutive. Okay, yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm concerned about because, like, the, to, to compare it to two other features in the game. So, yeah. uh, they began the, the streak bonuses with, like, catching Pokemon, you know, every day consecutively and spinning Poke Stops. And I rarely ever managed to keep up with those, you know, uh, like, especially once work week is done and I'm here on the weekend, like, I just forget to go out because I have to travel away to, from my home to go find a Poke Stop and things like that. And I don't 
care enough about video games, once again, uh, to do any of that. Now, they recently added the special research and the field research features in the game. And the fact that you can earn your stamps and unlock the box to get your legendary Pokemon, but you don't have to do it consecutively, has been fantastic. It's been a feature that I've loved immensely. And the fact that I can now earn, you know, the legendary Pokemon that I never got before because I'm not going to go out and do the legendary battles and stuff like that. The fact that they put a feature in that allows someone as casual as me to still earn those Pokemon was very neat. So uh, if this feature relies solely on doing it in consecutive days, then I'm never, ever, ever going to earn those rewards. But if it doesn't, then it will be beneficial to me. So I'll be interested to see how that works. Yeah, and see, I am the exact same way. I consecutively, I try. I really try hard to uh, you know get my streaks and everything in because the XP is worth it. But dude, you just forget. Life gets in the way. You know, you can't live around a video game as much as you'd like to. Like right now, first catch of the day, one day streak. That meant I forgot yesterday. <laughs> so, but like you said, the uh, field research, the fact that you could just do it. Once a day, any day, doesn't have to be consecutive. That's fantastic. So hopefully that's what this is. And we can test this and maybe talk about it on the next episode. Um, I spent a lot of Pokestops, so you know I'll be sending a bunch of gifts. Now, it does say here, uh, note, you can only progress your friendship once a day. So I would say unless you just have a crap load of gifts laying around and you want to send them to somebody, just do one a day. That way... Um, you know, you're not wasting gifts on no progression in the friendship area. So, awesome. Uh, let's see, I don't think there's really anything else to that for the most part. Like I said, you got to be within range of them to trade because I just tried trading with you and it told me it was you weren't in range. Um, I don't have any gifts to send you, so you're SOL. Yeah, I don't have any gifts either. Yeah. But I did accept your request, so you're on there now. Yeah, I saw it. And it, it's sweet that you carry around a Tokopi. Either that's my current uh that's my current companion. I I don't have the uh Toga Tick or whatever it is, his evolution. I've only ever like gotten like two of those little Togepi things, and none of them came with enough candies to evolve into the the, the next one. So Jesus Christ, uh, yeah. Sean. He's the little asshole that I have to walk around with because I've got a lot. I've got basically everything else like I've uh, other than like the regional exclusive ones. Uh, um, I probably have about 90 percent of the Pokédex uh, full, you know, uh, of all the generations. I believe I've got almost all the the, the Pokemon. <laughs> so there's only a couple real weird ones. And there's some there's a few that like for some reason, like I've just never come across, you know, just r out of random happenstance. <clears throat> because like I see people on like Facebook groups that are in St. Louis where we are at who have, you know, multiples of these things like the unknown, which is a Pokemon that there are like 20 something different versions of. Uh, but I've never even seen one. I've never hatched one. I don't know if you can even hatch them, but I've never seen one. I've never hatched one, never encountered one in any way, shape or form. But yet I see people who have like all 26 of them. And, and I will, whatever, you know, uh, uh, the chancy, you know, that, that evolves into the blissy. Uh -huh. Like I've been, I've been playing this game since like the week it came out and playing it in St. Louis all the time. Uh, basically, you know what, like for an hour a day, every day, at least during the week, uh, I have seen one. That's it. 
Like mm-hmm. I've caught one outdoors, you know, in the, in the wild. Uh, and I have never hatched one in any of the eggs that I've ever hatched in the game, never had one. And I've only caught one chancy lot in the wild. I only ever seen one. And that was during the Valentine's day event, like a year or so ago when like they made all of the pink Pokemon, uh, spawn more often. And I saw one and caught it. That's it. It's really weird sometimes how I, you know, how that plays out with certain people. I've also never caught or even seen a shiny version of any Pokemon at all. Really? Never. Huh. No shinies whatsoever. I got a couple just on accident. Like, I caught them and the Pokeball sparkled, and I'm like, what the f*** is that? <laughs> yep, same. I thought it was That's what I'm saying. I and, I, was broken and I play... And I play far more than you do, I'm sure. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I have never seen one. You're level weird. 33. Yeah. What are you? I didn't even pay attention. I, uh, 25? Yeah. Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> and yeah, and what, how many Pokemon does it say I've caught? 9,390. <laughs> how about me? What's it say on me? Because I'm curious. Because I don't think you can look that up on your own. Well, I'll have to. <clears throat> I'm sure you can. I, I got to turn my game back on. Yeah, I've been looking through my uh, profile page, and I haven't been able to find anywhere where it tells me. It uh, might check. How many play, it might be just in your in your Pokédex in general. Oh, you know, maybe uh, it is. Let me check the the actual actual Pokédex. I know it tells you based on the region how many you've seen and caught. Yeah, it does tell me on my Pokédex caught 184, seen 245. But that's, I mean, I've obviously caught more Pokemon than that. Right. Let's see here. I got 94 of the Kanto region. Uh, that's not horrible. I'm uh, missing a lot of them still, but... Um, you have caught 1,223. Jesus, I'm a slacker. Man, I suck. God. <laughs> <laughs> Most of those have been in, like, the last two weeks, too. Because <laughs> my, my biggest problem is I run out of Pokeballs, and I live in freaking rural area where there are no pokey stops until recently where they upgraded and added a bunch of pokey stops but even then the closest pokey stop to me is two miles away right so it's like i'm not walking two miles <clears throat> to get to a pokey stop i'll drive past them every once in a while and try to spin them because conveniently the speed limit in my town is 25 miles an hour. <laughs> they actually just recently added two pokey stops uh, to churches that are uh, like back behind my house, uh, you know, in on off some off some small smaller roads. Um, you know, I'd still have to walk. Oh, gosh, out of my neighborhood and through another neighborhood, you know, like basically like when you turn your pokey when you turn your game on uh-huh. and you like zoom your map out as far as it'll go. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I can see the pokey stops, yeah. you know, on the map. Like previously when I logged in from my house, when I would just spin my map around in all directions, you just saw nothing. A desolate green field of nothingness. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you could see the roads of my subdivision, but that was it. And now when you turn it on uh, to the the uh, I guess it would be to the west, no, to the east of my house. Uh, you can see two pokey stops that are back off of a small road back there where there are two churches. Gotcha. So you know I could technically get to something that's closer now than it ever was before, but it's still not like it's down the street or anything. Exactly. So. All right. 
Well, they are improving. They're getting better, and I'm still playing the game, so... Uh, yeah, they're. I mean, they've done a good. This is. I've probably played this mobile game longer than I have any other mobile game. Yep. So good on them, you know. And not clearly, as we've discussed almost this whole episode, I'm not that much of an avid gamer. So they've done. They've done a good marketing job. The po- Take some notes, Bethesda. Pokemon Go is kind of aimed right at your forehead, though, with your completionist mentality. I mean, kind of, yeah. they got you by the short and curlies, man. <laughs> Because as long as they keep adding regions, you're going to keep playing. Right, but it's a very <laughs> fine line that you have to walk with somebody like me because, yeah, I'm very much a completionist when it comes to stuff like that, but I'm also, I also can give up very easily. <laughs> so if you make it too difficult for me to complete it, then I'm just going to give up and stop playing. And that's what I was saying about the whole like consecutive day streaks and things like that. Yeah. Don't make it too complicated or I'll just quit. Yep. Sean rides a fine line between <laughs> got to catch the next one and fuck this bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So um, I don't remember if we covered it or not. I thought we did, but I'm not positive. But um, the Nintendo Switch got hacked. Uh, and it was a hack that was so fundamental to its code base and its hardware that it was pretty much unfixable. So people immediately latched onto it, started trying to figure out how to run whatever software they wanted on the Switch, how to copy games, how to do all that good stuff. Obviously, Nintendo lost their shit a little. Uh, And, you know, they immediately start trying to figure out ways to avoid this. I mean, no company wants their games to be pirated. They just don't. So anytime something like this happens, they immediately get on it and try to figure out a way to, to stop people from doing it. And... What Nintendo has done is basically banning people from using the online services at all. So your account tied to your Switch can be banned, or sometimes even your Switch can get banned. Um, I don't play a lot of online games on the Switch, but and I I, I haven't hacked my Switch because I'm afraid of breaking the damn thing. It was it was expensive <laughs> to just be poking around at it. Um, so let's see here. Uh, this comes from Engadget. It says the gaming giant performs server side checks, so you can't bypass them. That means that it actually checks your, uh, the validity of this uh, certificate in your game against their servers. So you can't change that. Uh, if it determines that you're playing a legit copy, it issues an authorization token token that cannot be forged in case it catches you trying to play a pirated copy it will prevent your game from connecting and could even permanently ban your console from being able to access the Nintendo network. <laughs> That's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, so not only are they disallowing known pirated games from playing online, but they will ban hammer your console's ass from ever connecting to the Nintendo network. Now, the Nintendo network is, <clears throat> you know, it's online play, but it's also buying things. So, I mean, if you're if you're hacking your Switch, maybe don't play online ever. Uh, go airplane mode if you're going to play. Uh, I am all open for anyone who wants to tinker around with their hardware and software. I think that's that should be allowed. Obviously, if you do that, you have absolutely no right to complain about anything not working ever again. So keep that in mind. But... This is happening, so don't play online if you're going to do that. 
because they will slam that band hammer down. Nintendo will do it because that's Nintendo. Uh, we talked about crossplay a lot. Yes. And how it needs. I saw, <clears throat> I saw this story the other day too. Yeah, it needs to happen. Needs to happen everywhere. It needs to happen everywhere fast. So Minecraft, uh, I believe they're calling it the Bedrock Update. <clears throat> so with Minecraft Bedrock Update, you'll be able to have cross-platform play on mobile, PC, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox. Um, you'll notice one of those Who's conspicuously one of absent. <laughs> yeah, one console is missing from that. <laughs> Everyone else got together and was like, "Hey." It'd be cool if we let people play together. And then there's this one kid over in the corner eating his boogers that says, nah, you know, God damn it, Sony. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so the Sony, the PlayStation 4, obviously, will not do crossplay. They have never done crossplay. They probably will never do crossplay, and they give bullshit reasons for not allowing it. But Say, what is your what is your take? Because I've talked to a couple people about this and like, uh, I, you know, I've, I my opinion is that they're just like uh, like you describe them as like the little kid in the room, like in the corner eating his boogers or whatever. But I can I, I picture him as like, uh, you know, the 75 the year old man in the corner of the room, like the old fuddy duddy who doesn't want to change with the times, whereas everybody else is like, oh, this is the way things work now. You know, uh, and, and I picture Sony as just like, you know, the old archaic, we don't want to change kind of a uh, kind of a company. Um, or do you think that because I've also heard the opinion that they just feel that they are they're too big, you know, like they're the they're the kings now and they don't need to uh, institute cross play with, you know, these uh, these lesser competitors like Nintendo and 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 Microsoft because they've won the console wars now. And this of course is coming from like PlayStation users. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sony's won the play, the console wars. Uh, I'm sorry, but if you <laughs> I don't I my my response was was you know the the winning of of one particular console war does not, you know, a champion make. Uh so I don't feel that just because the PlayStation 4, you know, outsold the Xbox One doesn't make them the the champion of the exactly. console wars. Well, because look know? at the last generation. The PlayStation right. well, 3 barely that. sold and the 360 flew off Did, shelves. Destroyed it, right. And not only that, but uh, even even Sony uh, acquiesced to the fact that once the once Xbox came out with the, I guess it's the 1S, um, you know, the most, it was, it's, it's essentially the most powerful console on the market. And even, even Sony, uh, acknowledged the fact that, that their console is not as, as powerful as, as that one is. So it, it may not have sold as well. And I believe the Xbox one S is actually selling very well. I'm uh, sure it is. But and that's because they finally fixed the problem. That's why the Xbox One didn't sell well in the first place. Was because you know the Xbox One is it, it's intended to be you know I guess it's like the 
the Xbox has always been kind of like the nerds video game console, you know, like they, it's, it's almost like a PC console, you know, or a PC, uh, uh, gamers version of a console, you know, they want powerful processing and, and things like that. Uh, you know, and this is all coming from a guy who doesn't know a lot about video games. This is just kind of like the way I, it's always been explained to me or, or the way I've understood it, you know, uh, and, and once Xbox came out with their new one S and, and showed that they can actually put together. A, a very powerful uh, console, then you know, it, everyone acknowledged that. So I don't think Sony is necessarily the champion, but I, I can see that viewpoint of you know, well, maybe they just don't want to team up. Maybe it's not that they're too old or you know uh, uh, don't want to change with the times. Maybe it's just that they're they just specifically don't want to partner with with their competitors. I don't know. What do you think? Ah, I kind of want to go a little bit of all of it, but I think it's mostly they just don't want to partner with anybody. Honestly, it's always kind of felt the way that Sony is. They're kind of Sony is kind of following in Nintendo's footsteps, maybe uh, in their closed off siloed systems, you know, because they are also Nintendo. But Nintendo agreed to this, well, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they're part of all of this. This is true, but ju- that's just now changing. Uh, <clears throat> and that's instance, why I lean towards the whole like everyone is changing. Look, even Nintendo is changing. So maybe true. Sony is really just like the old guy in the room who's like, yeah. ah, get off my lawn, you kids. You also have to remember that uh, when console gaming with Fallout 4 ended up, when Skyrim, I believe, ended up getting mods that PC gamers have had for God knows how long, um, since the dawning of games, really. Uh, Xbox got mods for all the uh, games that they wanted, you know, the, the Skyrim and the Fallout 4 and all those. But Sony never enabled it on the PlayStation right. 4 version because they said that it would, uh, you know, running outside code is dangerous and all this different stuff. They gave all these different reasons. My thought process was why make a game easy to mod and make new and fun and interesting again? when we can just put out a different game and have people buy that instead. Right. So I don't It seems know. like no matter what situation it is, it's always either are they like willingly refusing to participate in this stuff for their own ulterior profitability motives or are they just completely ignorant of the changing of the times and the way business and video games need to be handled nowadays. And both of them are equally wrong. (laughs) Oh yeah. Are you, are you stupid or greedy? Right, right. Yeah. Are are they stupid or greedy? (laughs) Yeah. Either one is like you said, it's just, and I love the fact that like Nintendo and Microsoft have like even gotten together in the marketing of, of this, you know, like in the, in the videos and the commercials and stuff, you know, they show people with like a switch controller and the split screen and somebody with an Xbox controller, you know, uh, you'd never seen something like that before in video game commercials or advertising. That's that's, that's awesome. But it, it works because that means it sells that for everybody. I mean, because it's going to sell on Xbox consoles because Xbox has it. It's going to sell on Switch because Switch has it, you know? I mean, because if you give somebody the option to buy a game on whatever console they have, this is is the way I've always thought about it. So if 
you have, you know, four people, and three of them have PC, Xbox, and Switch. Okay, each one has one. And then you got, you know, the other guy who has a PlayStation 4. If you release a console, a, a game that is available to these four friends, and you release it on all these platforms, if each friend has one type of platform, what are the chances that one of those friends likes the other, th- you know, one of the other friends enough to go buy a console just to play a game online with them? Sure. You know, if all your friends are on Xbox, what are the chances you're going to buy an Xbox just to play online with your friends when you might have a PlayStation 4 and a Switch? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So if now if I have a PlayStation 4 and a Switch and all my friends have Xbox and this the Minecraft Bedrock update comes out, guess which console I'm buying the game for? The Switch, because I can play with my friends. However, if I had my choice of the two, I would have bought it on PlayStation 4, but because Sony's being a codgety old jackass about it, they're going to lose a sale. So in my mind, not allowing crossplay on your platform, especially when everyone else is doing it, is going to lose you sales. It's just a bad business decision. Oh, well. We will see. Um, I have been playing this next game uh, probably a lot more than I should, but this is your story, so I'll let you uh, have at it. So you've actually downloaded this game and played it on your phone? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, I, ha- I didn't even, so honestly, I didn't even know that's how little I play games. <laughs> like, I didn't even know this game existed. I until downloaded I read this game story. at 1 a.m. release day. <laughs> I, was I did not there. even know this game existed. So uh, the game we are talking about is the new uh, mobile game uh, for Westworld. Is it just called Westworld? Westworld uh, Mobile. What's that again? Westworld Mobile is West what the Westworld actual Mobile. name is. But Gotcha. Uh, so the reason we're discussing Westworld Mobile is because it was recently announced that Bethesda Softworks, the company behind Elder Scrolls and Fallout that, you know, is probably the the only video game company that I know by name, honestly, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, they have recently filed lawsuit this week against Behavior Interactive and Warner Brothers, alleging that the new Westworld mobile game is a, quote, blatant ripoff of its Fallout shelter reported by Polygon. Uh, So basically what happened here is that Behavior Interactive was a company that was hired by Bethesda Softworks to work on the Fallout Shelter mobile game several years ago. And Behavior Interactive has since been hired by Warner Brothers to also work on their Westworld mobile game, which was released. How long ago was this game released, Jess? June 21st. So three days as of recording, four days as of listening. Okay, so it has been... very, so that would that would also kind of explain why I've never even heard of this thing. It's only been out for like three days. Oh yeah. yeah. So um, so yes, uh, Westworld Mobile uh, Behavior Interactive was hired to work on the Westworld Mobile game, and apparently in in the early release of this game, this Westworld Mobile game, many. 
uh, glitches uh, or issues have popped up in the game that are all identical to issues that popped up with the early release of the Fallout Shelter game. And that has led Bethesda to conclude that Behavior Interactive stole their code and has used it in the creation of the Westworld mobile game. And they're therefore suing uh, both Behavior Interactive and Warner Brothers over this matter. Um, it says working with the same copyrighted computer code used by Fallout Shelter, Westworld has the same or highly similar game design, art style, animations, features, and other gameplay elements as Fallout Shelter, all of which are owned by Bethesda. So uh, you've played both of these games, I'm sure. Uh, I know I've played Fallout Shelter. I still have it on my phone, even though I haven't opened it in over a year, I think. But uh, I I have never played this. I've seen clips of it, and I see where it's like, you know, an artsy, cutesy version of, you know, something grim, which is kind of what Fallout Shelter is as well. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, I feel like there's lots of games that are like that out there. Have you noticed anything? when you were playing it have you noticed anything that you were that you distinctly felt like this is very similar to fallout um not not really here let me let me open it up on my phone take a look at it real quick uh as far as well okay for instance when you're playing you have your westworld park is up on the top of your screen and right. everything else is you know all the delos corporation is in a bunker below it Right. The so visual uh, visual style of the bunker is very Fallout esque. Um, however, the character art style is completely different. Like to me, it looks completely different because you know just the way their faces are drawn and things like that. It's not your typical Vault Boy style. Um, the gameplay itself is you know is different. It's not. Because you're you're running a you're running a park, so I mean it's it's you know how the food and the water and the electricity in Fallout Shelter just continuously redoes itself, right? There's nothing in the Westworld game that I've found that does that yet. You don't. It's not resource grabbing because right. you have to physically tell a uh, a host to go have an interaction with a guest, then you wait for the interaction to be done, and that's how you get your money. Uh, the only thing that is automatic is um, what they call Dr. Ford's office where you get gems and then the gems allow you to you know, trade for bigger stuff or get more money or whatever. That's the premium currency type stuff. Um, other than that, there's nothing automatic. Whereas Fallout Shelter, a lot of it feels very automatic and you can send them people on quests and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so gameplay-wise, I'd say they're completely different. Um, art style-wise, like I said, it, it kind of... I mean, the, the layout of the bunker kind of, sort of looks familiar. But, I mean, how many different ways can you really draw a bunker? You know? An empty bunker. Because you're moving things around and everything. Um, there are no elevators, you know, stuff like that. The uh, Delos bunker is actually predefined. Whereas the Fallout Bunker, you can build things as long as there's room. The Delos Bunker is outlined already. It's already built. It's just empty. Mm -hmm. And then you build your stuff in it. So you're, you're limited to the amount of space that's in it already. 
Um, there are multiple locations. You keep the same bunker, but the park above you changes when you go from location to location. Um, so, I mean, I see some similarities, but I think the similarities that I see are only because how many other ways could you do that game mechanic, you know? Right. So, I mean... I understand if if there are bugs, I haven't seen any bugs yet, so that could be another. See, thing. and that would—that's kind of what I would find interesting because they—they really don't only briefly mention it in this Engadget article. Uh, it says Bethesda even notes that some bugs present in earlier versions of Fallout Shelter were included in the Westworld game demo. Um, Oh, so maybe it was only in the game demo uh, for Westworld. But either way, I I find that kind of telling, you know, if yeah, like the I exact mean, same bugs. Because then you can really, because I and I don't know a whole lot about computer encoding and stuff. But I would feel like if you did steal, you know, like some kind of source code and then just tweaked everything on top of it to make it look different and and act different and whatever, but like yeah. that base is still there, and then all of a sudden, you know, the same few glitches pop up, it, it's kind of telling, at least I would think it would be. Um, yeah, that one's kind of a, that's a no-no. So, I mean, if the, right. if the actual background code is, you know, is uh, pilfered from somewhere else, then yeah, I mean, Bethesda's not wrong to do this. But if it's based just on uh, visual cues and things like that, then no. Uh, but they do say, but, you know, there were bugs. That, right. that, that on itself is a red flag because if you have a different code base, the bugs shouldn't be the same. So uh, they do go on to say that a few years ago, Bethesda sued Mojang specifications over the title of its game Scrolls, saying that it was too close to its own Elder Scrolls. And in a settlement, Bethesda agreed to let Mojang keep Scrolls as a title, but wouldn't allow any sequels to the game to use the word in their titles. That was so I don't really nitpicky. I don't really understand why that's even included in this article other than to show that Bethesda is apparently a very litigious company. Yeah. So uh, they will defend any perceived uh, uh, infringement upon their uh, intellectual property. So That feels uh, like Apple suing people over... The uh, shape rec- of the iPhone. Yeah. Re- rectangles with rounded corners. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Can't have the world so, scrolls I- in there anywhere. So to wrap it up, Bethesda is asking that Warner Brothers and Behavior be ordered to remove the game from distribution and stop supporting it. It's also seeking damages, both actual and punitive, as well as the costs of its attorney's fees. And in reality, we know that that's all just a bunch of bluster. And what they're really looking for is just like in the other one, a settlement. And so as long as they get a settlement and it'll probably involve because apparently they're kind of, you know, tough on this kind of thing. I'm sure they will, you know, they'll either want like residuals going forward or they'll want, you know, money now and like anything in the future will have to be done, you know, under new code or whatever. So uh, we'll see how this turns out. If we hear anything more about it, you know, we can always bring it up again on another show. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, I will put it this way. Um, Bethesda, maybe you need to do some updating to Fallout Shelter because Westworld is way better. <laughs> way better. There's so much more to it than Fallout Shelter. It's not a not a hurry up and wait kind of game, which is fantastic. You actually, like if you're just plain out playing it, you can actually keep yourself busy indefinitely. Which is kind of cool. Alrighty. I have to tell you something, Trevor. 
It's time for TV news. La 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 la. You remember that? I do. Ah, Daria. I say this first one's all you. <laughs> all right, so Daria's getting a reboot, bitches. That's uh, kind of exciting. I enjoyed Daria when I was uh, when I was a kid. I also enjoyed Beavis and Butthead, though. So, yeah, they were uh, Daria was a spinoff of Beavis and Butthead, basically. Um, so. I was an MTV kid. That's probably very telling, really. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to see what the network that picked it up was. Um, there's no details about it. It is animated still. Um, yeah, I, it sounds like this article from io9 is kind of placing it modern day. Um, let's see, it says the last time we saw her, she was headed off to college back in 2002. Can you imagine Daria in the Trump administration era? <laughs> <laughs> and what was her friend's name? Oh, oh, I don't even remember. God. Her crazy pierced up friend. Uh, let's see if I can find, uh, Daria TV series, 1997 to 2001. Wowza. Uh, let's see here. No, no, no. It doesn't have pictures of any of these people. That's annoying. Yeah, yeah. Daria Morgendorfer. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, there's no details about like what network's no. going to air it or anything like that. And no, <clears> from, what read, uh, from what I read, from what I read on a on a different story about this whole situation is that this is really more about MTV creating a whole new like division called MTV Studios, uh-huh. which is going to be an entire division that like basically focuses on rebooting and reimagining all of the intellectual property that they own from, you know, the last 30 years of television, including things like Daria and Eon Flux. They've specifically mentioned. Bring back the 90s MTV. They're talking talking about doing a live action rebooting or reimagining of Eon Flux while, you know, just doing, uh, while just doing, uh, you know, a new animated Daria. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, eh, Aeon Flux, I could I could take it or leave it. Um, I think they did a decent job with the Aeon Flux movie. So, yeah, they could they could probably leave that one there. But I'm sure somebody likes that show, because I'm sure not everyone likes Daria. I'm just sarcastic enough to like Daria. She reminds me of a female version of you. <laughs> yeah. Very... I honestly don't remember a whole lot about the show. Uh... Voiced by, I remember the comedian. Uh, uh see, Dario what was the chick chick's name? Tracy Grandstaff. Oh, that's not who I was thinking it was. Um, yeah, for some reason I was thinking she was voiced by. Uh, oh man, I I can't think of the gal's name, but it was a, it's a specific comedian. I don't know why, but Tracy Grandstaff sounds familiar too, though. Uh, Regardless, yeah, I never her, really. Uh, was her friend's name Jane Lane? That sounds right. I think that was it. Yeah. 
but I don't think I ever really watched the show, you know, like regularly. Uh, but honestly, I don't think I ever really watched Beavis and Butthead regularly either. You know, I just watched it, you know, whenever it's happened to be on. So, yeah. All right. Um, hey, look at this. One of one of the companies that I uh, I pay attention to. Was that Amazon? Yeah. Oh, you will be redirected back to your article in ten seconds. Well, I got an ad blocker, so that's just a big blank screen with a countdown <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> so not too long ago, we uh, discussed that Robert Kirkman from The Walking Dead had signed a deal with Amazon Studios to produce content for their streaming platform. Uh, and uh, it was recently announced that Amazon Studios has given an eight episode. Now, listen to this, an eight episode hour long animated series. That's interesting right there, right? Like, can you That's think of any of other cartoons? Can you think of any other hour-long animated series on television? Like, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Mm, no, not really. Even the, even the stuff on Netflix, like BoJack or um, uh, F is for Family, um, I, I think those things, I don't even think they're an hour long. They may hit like... 30, 40 minutes maybe, but I don't think they ever go into an hour. But then again, if this was on, well, this will be on streaming. So I was going to say if it has commercials, but it won't have commercials. It'll be on streaming. So yeah, that's, that's impressive to me. And and it's only eight episodes. So that's kind of a short season, but an hour long animated series is just out of the ordinary. So that's kind of cool. But uh, find out how, um, what was the name of that cartoon? That we talked about with John Cena and Kat Denning. Oh, on YouTube I, I Red? I watched it, I, but I don't I, oh, remember really? what it's called. Yeah, I don't remember Dallas the name and of Robo, the... that's it. Okay. okay. I was trying to see how long Dallas and Robo was. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. only 22 minutes an episode. So Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, that's just strange. Yeah, so we'll weird. see. That's it. That sounds kind of neat. But uh, Amazon has given an eight-episode, hour-long animated series uh, episode or an order to Robert Kirkman's series *Invincible*, um, which is the this uh, uh, is the first series to come out of the overall deal with Amazon Studios. And let's see. It talks more about the sh- the book itself. And because apparently he's been doing this. Yeah. Invincible Kirkman's second longest comic book series. I'm assuming behind the walking dead, uh, concluded in February of 2018. So he just finished this whole comic book series and it had been running. He'd been writing it for 15 years. Uh, yeah, that's impressive. So the full series is available across 23 countries in eight languages and is currently in development separately as a feature-length movie. So in addition to the feature-length movie that they're creating, he is also turning it into an hour-long animated series for Amazon Studios. Um, Other than that, they don't give a lot of details. Um, I don't think this article... Uh, yeah, here is where it talks about Invincible is an adult animated superhero show that revolves around Mark Grayson, a normal teenager, except for the fact that his father is the most powerful superhero on the planet. Uh, shortly after his 17th birthday, Mark begins to develop powers of his own and enters into his father's tutelage. Uh, the series is described as suspenseful, action-packed, and emotion-packed, yet builds upon poignant and heartwarming moments of love, friendship, and humanity. So uh, it sounds like a like a tried-and-true kind of tradition 
traditional superhero story, you know, uh, and I'm not familiar with the 15 years of comic books that he wrote behind it. So um, it, it sounds pretty interesting to me. And I'm, I'm always up for, you know, an animated animated series. So. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. It'll be interesting to see how animation holds up over the course of an entire hour. I guess it's really not that big of a deal because, uh, like, I binge-watched Dallas and Robo. So you figure I watched that for way more than an hour at a time. Uh, it would just be the, you know, there'd be less stops. Because right. the story continues, so it's not like I'm watching a different story each time. Um, yeah, I don't know. That'll be That'll be interesting to see, though. All right, next story, not a whole lot of details here. I was going to put this one in the blurbs, actually, but it looked like we had a lot of stuff going on up there already, so I threw it down here. Um, if you are a horror fan, uh, which I'm really not, uh, especially not this series, <laughs> but I, you know, I try not to be biased and throw stuff in that seems interesting that other people might, uh, might be fans of, uh, and the, uh, the horror series that I'm referring to here is the child's play film franchise. Good old Chucky. And, uh, after 30 years and seven films, the child's play film franchise is headed to the small screen with an official television series. Um, apparently bloody disgusting.com discussed this back in February. Uh, I was not aware of that, but apparently the, uh, uh, the franchise architects, Don Mancini and David Kirshner, uh, who have been developing the series, uh, tweeted some things out recently and it sent everybody into a tizzy and uh that's uh that's about all i really know here uh i'm not a big fan of child's play or chucky in general but i guess it's kind of neat i don't know i mean I, there's there seems to have been like a, a resurgence lately in like the horror stuff you know like with ash versus the evil dead especially with like the campy horror stuff you know what i mean um uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil was a pretty good one. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's been like somewhat of a resurgence in this kind of, in this, in this genre recently. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like, uh, horror has become another, it has gotten kind of a second wind and everybody just kind of likes it. And it's a thing now. Um, I like you. I'm just, I think I might have watched one of the uh, Child's Play. Right. Maybe two. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, there's been seven movies. Yeah, and, I know. and they say here, the guys say here that the, the series is going to uh, deliberately, eh, deliberately set up at the end of the last movie. Uh, that it is, what the tone is dark and disturbing. Um they said that this is not the end of the uh this doesn't mean an end of the film franchise for right now the focus is on an eight-part hour-long series that will keep chucky canon so it, i mean it's really them like they're literally just continuing the seven movies on into television i mean it's kind of an interesting way to just keep it all alive you know uh, without rebooting or reimagining or anything like that so I'll give them credit there. I kind of like the fact that they're just like, no, we just want to keep doing this, you know? Yeah. So I mean, you know, I get. I guess there's. <laughs> I don't know. I it, my big one of my biggest issues with uh, horror, the horror genre in general, 
is how much different is each Chucky movie? It's just like how much difference is each uh, Freddy Krueger or each Jason movie? It's just one person going around killing everybody. And then at the end, people join right. together and they they prevail. Woo! Um, the only time I think it gets interesting is I don't even remember which one of the Chuckies I did watch, but it was the one where uh, oh Jennifer Tilly plays his girlfriend. Right. I think that's I think that's like one or two. Yeah, and it was it was just well, no, she gets turned into a doll. Okay, herself. maybe three. So, <laughs> I think it might have been like three or something like that, but. I the only reason I watched that one and kind of almost enjoyed it was because it was funny. It had a lot of comedy between the two of them. But even right. then, after a little while, it drones on, and I'm just not interested anymore. So I mean, I don't know. It's very, very. I guess it, it, I mean it's it's a it's a taste. You either have a taste for it or you don't. So if you do, so be it. Why not? And if people are willing to go see movies like this and are willing to watch the TV shows, then. Creators need to make it. Why not? You know, everybody's got a story to tell, even if yours is slightly morbid and creepy. Of course, they have uh-huh. to make Chucky a ginger. Well, <laughs> I wonder whose thought, whose whose uh, decision that was. Oh, I mean, I feel like I think he was based off of like the 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 my buddy doll back from when we were kids. My. Do you remember the my? Yeah, type in my buddy. I never had <clears throat> dolls. Man. Oh, I had a my buddy doll when I was a kid. I remember that uh, thing. Oh yeah, he is. Well, my buddy has brown hair, but he does. He has. I mean, his clothes. He's wearing Chucky's outfit. I'm <laughs> not gonna lie. That is very much Chucky's outfit. Like I think even the colors. Let me check here. Green, blue, red. I'm pretty sure even the colors match on that right. outfit. That is. Okay, so, so yeah, no, I, I had one of those guys when I was a kid. I remember that. Did you throw it away after you watched the movie? Uh, no, but I remember at one point, like, I remember having the doll, like, when the movie came out. And I remember, because I think I had, like, in one of my photos, and, like, because when I'm, I'm looking at the Google images, like, obviously they made, you know, uh, uh, many variations of it. And I think I had one that was blonde. Um, cause I see a blonde one in, uh-huh. in some of my Google images, but, uh, I think I had a blonde one, but I do recall coming into my bedroom at one point and my older brother had like <laughs> scotch taped a steak knife in his hand, <laughs> you know? Uh, so he was sitting on my bed with a steak knife, you know, uh, gripped in his, gripped in his hand. So, awesome. but uh, I'm surprised you don't remember him. Like uh, they had a real catchy jingles, like, you know, like my buddy and me like to climb up a tree, my buddy. My buddy, like you don't remember those songs, those commercials when we were kids. You're a little, you're a few years younger than me, so. Uh, can you hear that? My buddy, my buddy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, and me. Yeah. Wherever I go, you're gonna go. Kid sister. That was the other doll. It was my buddy and a kid sister. My buddy and kid sister. Each sold separately from play school. <laughs> my buddy, a real pal. Kid sister, a true friend. Each sold separately. Of course. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, the next story we've got here is about... 
Fox and their decision to uh, change the way we view commercials. And they have said that in in the next in the in the upcoming season, uh, they're going to introduce a, a, a concept uh, in in hopes of keeping you tuned to the station, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> but w- during the break, they're going to produce and show little vignettes, uh, um, you know, produce content that will. Um, let me find the way they describe it. We'll showcase people as they victor over circumstances such as cancer, limb loss, and blindness. So basically it's going to show you inspirational stories during the commercial breaks. And they're going to allow these inspirational stories to be sponsored by you know, companies, but instead of just straight up hawking products at you, they're going to produce little vignettes and little bits of content that they are going to have sponsored by certain companies. So it's just like, it's a change, I guess, to the overall, you know, advertising landscape. What do you, what do you think about it? It, I mean, uh, I mean, I, on paper, it sounds like a great thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's more inspirational, it opens people's eyes, and yet you still allow companies to, you know... Advertise, advertise. and make money in some way. Monetize. Yeah, maybe if you sprinkle it in with the regular ads, because if you just have one after another of these stories, people are going to... It's going to get annoying, just like regular ads are annoying. So, I don't know, I don't know if changing ads is going to really fix things. Um, I think you need to reduce the amount of ads rather than change them. But, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe. I'm always the kind of person who would rather watch two minutes of ads before I watch my show or, you know, when I watch my show at all and then not have to watch a single ad during it. Right. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Uh, Anytime when I'm on Hulu and they give me the option of uh, because sometimes Hulu will give you that option. Would you like to watch an extended ad now and 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 your program will be free of commercial breaks or whatever? I always accept that. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I get what you're saying. You're you know, you're saying like, yeah, this is this is a cool change. It sounds nice, but it may not be the direction that everyone that is probably best. You know, it would probably be best to offer, you know, all the ads at the beginning or all the ads at the end. Well, you can't really do all the ads at the end because then people, no people can just watch. turn it off. Yeah. So, uh, all the ads at the beginning, um, uh, I think is a much better, I agree with you. I think that's a much better uh, direction to go, but cause an ad is know. an ad. It doesn't matter. It, it's not, it's not the content of the ads that bothers me. It's the fact that they're interrupting my show. Right. So, you know, changing what's in them doesn't really affect me that much. Which this actually makes me think of something recently that happened. And I don't know if we talked about it. Uh, I don't know if they ever talked about it. But, I, you know, I'm still a big, big TiVo user. And my TiVo uh, recently got an update, like a software update, you know. And that software update instituted a feature which allows me to single button skip all commercial breaks. Damn. And 
and on most shows it seems it, for some reason it seems like some shows the feature doesn't work on and i don't know if it's because because sometimes it's an hd station sometimes it's not an hd station you know it it just depends i haven't found any rhyme or reason behind which things uh you know which shows that it doesn't work the feature doesn't work on so i'm assuming it has to do with like the the copyrights or the uh you know the, that kind of thing behind it and not necessarily like the station that it was recorded off of but uh i i had no previous knowledge of the of that update being instituted or downloaded to my tivo until i got home that day and turned it on and it was like oh you can push this little green button and skip commercial breaks now and it was like a mind-blowing experience <laughs> it was amazing uh i was i was just in awe you know uh, i wanted to watch tv i just wanted to like i just wanted to like fast like hit the button to skip through the commercial breaks just to get to the next commercial break so i could hit the button to skip through it uh it, it, it's it's impressive and and if if more if that's allowed now because i know that like there were issues in the past with dvrs allowing you to skip commercial breaks like that you know i believe there were companies that fought lawsuits over this in the past um, but if that is okay now, and even someone such as TiVo can institute this single button skipping of the of the advertisements, <clears throat> then I really don't know if this change that they're making is going to do any good. Yeah, because you're still just going to hit the single button and skip it. Um, so I think uh, once again uh, that your idea uh, or that putting the the ads at the beginning would definitely be the most conducive to I don't know still being able to monetize it without it just being a, a waste of of film very true <clears throat> very very true all right what do we got next? Uh, let's see. Oh, we talked about this on the last podcast. So on the last show, I think we did it in the blurbs. We talked about how there was no there was no way Lucifer was coming back. They had said at the Comic-Con in Australia that they had a certain date they needed to know by or they were going to be contractually allowed to go get new jobs. And if I recall, wasn't the date that we reported during that article June 16th? Um, I don't, I could have swore it was regardless. I thought it was, uh, I never went back to check, but if it was, that just shows you how accurate that was because on June 15th, it was reported that Netflix has stepped in to save Lucifer from cancellation. So if you're a fan of this Neil Gaiman show, like I was, uh, starring Tom Ellis as Lucifer, then you will be rewarded with one more season at least on Netflix. Um, yeah. And they what, was was that the day uh, that we had talked about? Yeah, it says, but there's a chance the streaming network might pick us up, and that would have to happen by <clears throat> June 16th. Yeah, and so they waited until the day <laughs> before, and the day before that date came, Netflix stepped in and said, all right, let's do it. So uh, there will be a fourth season. They have not announced how many episodes will be in the season. Um, <clears throat> and what I will find interesting is that at the end of season three that just concluded when it was canceled, they had already filmed two episodes for season four that were standalone episodes that could just be shoved in at any point during the season that they needed to fill in a gap. Mm. And um, – 
they aired those two episodes after the show had been canceled just on in in like back to back in one night just to get them out there. And so I'm just curious as like what will happen with those two, you know, like when will will Netflix, you know, are they just going to go down in the books as, you know, season three's last two episodes for some odd reason? Or is Netflix going to pick them up and use them as part of their season four? Will they just be forgotten about like in the catalog of the show forever? You know, just me as like a completionist, as like an anal kind of guy and like, season one episode what you know like i need to know you know uh and so like that i find that to be the most interesting part of this whole story now i want to i just want to see how those are going to be labeled on like imdb you know what i find interesting is the way the way i feel about this like i've never watched a show at all however now that it's on netflix i will probably watch it just because it's on netflix I've done that to a couple different shows. I will not watch them when they're on a TV network. But then Netflix picks them up and starts doing another season, and then mm-hmm. I start watching them. Almost like I hate TV networks. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I'm excited by this. I liked Lucifer a lot. I'm happy uh, that it'll be back on, on uh, Netflix for another season. So, I might start watching it. I probably will. It's fun. It's I'm, a fun show. Uh, I'm waiting for my know, next season of Preacher. So, I think that starts today. Actually, oh, does it? Yeah, I'm serious. I like I got, like I had a, really soon. So. No, like I had a, I had a Google News alert across my phone earlier that said Preacher new episode tonight because sometimes Google just tells me what I need to TiVo, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so yeah, check that, make sure it's right. But yeah, I think that might air tonight actually. <clears throat> uh, let's see. We have when will Preacher season three be released? This is on Express.co.uk. Uh, AMC in America on Sunday, June twenty fourth. Oh gosh, that's that's today. Well, I'm not getting shit today. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. All right, so let's move on to the next story I've got for you, and that is Alex Kurtzman. Uh, Alex Kurtzman has recently become the new showrunner on Star Trek Discovery after basically everyone who ran that show was kicked out the door, and. Um, Alex Kurtzman, in addition to becoming the showrunner on this show, I believe he signed like a much larger overall deal um, with uh, I don't even know. Is it Universal or is it Paramount? Uh, I'm not even sure. Let's see. The new deal comes as rumblings about another Star Trek series featuring Patrick Stewart reprising his role as Star Trek The Next Generation's Captain Picard have been heating up. And I love the fact that they misspelled Picard in that little bit of writing right there and put a K in his name. Um, but uh, uh, the 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 deal here is that uh, Kurtzman has signed an overall contract to develop more Star Trek content in addition to becoming the showrunner on Star Trek Discovery. And that has led to these rumblings that there may be a reboot or reworking or continuation of Star Trek The Next Generation coming in the future. Um, I also read that this was uh, fueled by Patrick Stewart himself. When he not too long ago gave an interview where he was asked if he had watched Star Trek Discovery and he said no, he had not. But then he hinted that there might be a reason in the future uh, coming for him to do so. 
Uh, and that, of course, led people to begin thinking that, you know, he might be reprising his role in some way in the Star Trek universe. And uh, and and now it seems like once again, that may be more and more likely. Um, this sounds freaking awesome to me. So uh, <laughs> oddly enough, you know, like so, so I'm a huge Star Trek guy and Star Trek The Next Generation is is the most successful incarnation of the franchise, you know. Uh, arguably, I guess, because Star Trek, the original series, has gone on for a very long time, but it was only on TV for three years, you know? Um, now its movies did much better than the Star Trek The Next Generation movies did. I think that's a big problem. But uh, ever since Star Trek The Next Generation went off the air, you know, they did a couple movies, uh, and then that was it. And all the subsequent Star Trek content has been, you know, like reboots of the original series or prequels like Star Trek Discovery and things like that. So uh, I would love to see a Star Trek series, you know, set in the next generation universe. Just continue, you know, you know, Picard is now an admiral and Riker is the captain of his own ship. And you know what I mean? Uh, like, I, I think that would be fantastic. So I'm super excited. I hope Kurtzman gets, you know, gets this working and, and gets Picard back in, in the suit. Uh, Jump suit. I, I would, I would, I would, I would immediately watch as long as they didn't put it on CBS all access because uh -huh. I have not watched Star Trek discovery and I'm not going to watch Star Trek discovery because it's on a stupid streaming service that it's the only show on there that I care to see. And I'm not going to subscribe for that. I bet you they so, do simply because they think Patrick Stewart will bring in subscribers. And that's a very good possibility. And if that's the case, and they become like the Star Trek streaming network, you know, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to get annoyed real quick. <laughs> awesome. All yeah, right. I, I would ahead. totally watch this. I mean, I like Patrick Stewart. And Picard was arguably the best captain. I'm sorry. There, I said it. Yeah, no, I'm with that. All right, finally, the last story we have, and probably the biggest story of the television world in the last, I mean, going back to when it occurred, what, a month or two ago, uh, ABC's Roseanne. Uh, once again, we're going to talk about this because uh, oh, they have officially announced, and, and you know, I have to go back to what we discussed in previous shows, uh, that I, didn't, I did not think this would happen, uh, but ABC has officially announced that they're going to spin off the show. And without Roseanne Barr, uh, you know, to recap uh, the previous uh, incident, uh, Roseanne made some remarkably racist tweets, comments on Twitter, and her show was canceled despite its incredibly high ratings on ABC and the fact that it had already been renewed for another season. So uh, uh, ABC pulled the show, canceled the sitcom, fired everybody – or fired her essentially. Everyone still gets paid because the show was renewed. Um, but uh, uh, they had discussed potentially trying to spin the show off and they have decided to do so. They're going to uh, – the, the working title is, is The Connors. 
and they haven't provided any details in regards to, you know, how they're going to eliminate the character. Everyone just assumes that they're going to kill her off, but it will be proceeding without Roseanne Barr. And this, this, it actually took some work to do this because she owns the creative rights to this character, you know? And so even, and all the characters in, in the world, basically in that, in that sitcom world. So, uh, the executive producer, Tom Werner had to strike a deal with her to proceed with making the spinoff without her involvement in any way, shape or form. The working title is the Connors and it'll obviously basically be the same show, but it's going to follow the Connor family who after a sudden turn of events are forced to face the daily struggles of life in Lanford in a way they never have before. So it's, it's going to center around like Darlene, the the daughter and, and probably John Goodman, the, you know, the Dan, the dad's character. Um, but, uh, they are going to continue the show without her. And I, I didn't think this was going to happen. I, and I'm still concerned that they're going to face a lot of backlash, you know, uh, for bringing the show back without her, you know, from the conservative right who feel that she don't, does it, didn't deserve to be fired in the first place. So this will be a real interesting story to, to see as it develops, especially when it comes time to air. Um, they've handed out a 10 episode straight to series order. So, you know, 10 episodes is not a lot, uh, but, uh, I, I believe it's scheduled to air in the fall. So they're going to get right to work on it and, uh, and we'll see, you know, what happens. I'll be real interested to see how the ratings go. You know what I mean? Yeah, it will be very interesting. Um, Roseanne was set to go into surgery at the end of the last season, at the last episode that aired. What wasn't she? Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, they were. They had the they, big dinner. Yeah, and they had. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. She was scheduled to go into surgery. Uh, she. It was also made known that she was like a, a, a an opium addict. Uh, you know, in in. So there's several ways they could spin it. You Pretty know, regardless. Right. I feel like regardless of what they do, it's going to feel forced you know what i mean Uh, because it was not set up with the proper emotional lead-in or anything so um that pretty much writes itself okay um yeah i I don't know i mean i just i don't care for the show anyway and i mean i don't know if it's gonna change without her there or not maybe it will because she's one of the characters i don't particularly care for in the show you know, but the show's Roseanne, for God's sake. You can't not have her in that version, so I didn't like that version, you know. Right. Maybe I'll like the one where now Dan <laughs> is kind of the guy. Right. Because I like John Goodman a lot, so. Oh, and he's great. Like, I love the character. You know, like, I grew up with that show. We watched the reboot. I thought it was decent. I thought they did a pretty good job of tackling the subjects, you know, that they tried to tackle, even despite the fact that she is, you know, a racist bigot in real life. And, uh, and, and, but I think John Goodman did a fantastic job. I love watching his character on the show. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, let's see here. Tech news. Okay, so um, for tech news, we have uh, I have I have complained a couple times about the butterfly keyboard on the MacBook Pros, the new um, I think it's 2016 and 2017 versions. Uh, it's it's horrible. Uh, it's clickety clackety. It doesn't travel. Any of the keys don't travel at all. Uh, it's it's hard to get used to. Some people absolutely adore it and love it. Other people want to burn it and kill it with fire uh 
I'm one of the latter. I do not like the keyboard. The only saving grace is that I don't use my laptop for that much writing. Um, typically, if I'm writing, I'm using my desktop computer. Uh, laptop is really just a stopgap to allow me to edit photos and videos while I'm on the go. So I have one of these MacBook Pros, and my B key has stopped working on me several times because dust got under it. Fucking dust. <laughs> In a laptop, you're going to have a little dust. Um, the last few times this happened, I've been able to blow it out and make it work, but it's a $2,700 computer. You should not have to do that. Apple has finally admitted that maybe there's a problem, and they have decided that they are going to start up a repair program to help people who have had this problem. Thank you so much, Apple. You've done really great by us with fixing <laughs> our $3,000 computers. <laughs> Backing up your goddamn product. Uh, anyway, so um, let's see here. The butterfly mechanism uh, was on the 2015 MacBook uh, 2006, uh, 2015 MacBook, the 2016 MacBook Pro, the 2017 MacBook Pro, that kind of thing. Um, so if you're not aware of what the butterfly mechanism is on the keyboards, it's very easy to tell if a computer, if a Mac has one or not. If it doesn't, the keys stick up about a millimeter or so from the top of the typing surface, and they, they actually push down. They have a decent a little amount of travel to them. They move. The butterfly keyboard is almost completely level with the typing surface, and the keys do not move hardly at all. It feels like you're tapping on a piece of metal. Um, so what happens is things get under the... Anything, really, can get underneath of the key uh, caps, and if there's anything under there, there's so little travel that it doesn't actuate the button underneath the key cap anymore. Sometimes you can blow it out, sometimes you cannot. Um, Apple has had a bunch of class action lawsuits about this. Uh, one person, uh, let me see if I can find his name here. Um, now they don't say on this uh, hothardware.com, but it uh, says one publication even reported failure rate for 2016 MacBook Pro keyboards was as high as 12%. This is, uh, this is a problem. So Apple has said that they will basically... Uh, if it's a malfunctioning keyboard of the butterfly type, it will replace malfunctioning keyboards. Now, here's the kicker. Replacing these keyboards, this is not a simple swap. <laughs> they have to replace the entire top of the laptop. So the whole top half of the chassis. Now, for those of you who have ever worked on a laptop, you know what that means. That means... They have to literally gut your entire computer and take everything out of it and put it in a new chassis because the top half of the chassis is a solid piece of metal. You can't just swap pieces of it off. So this is a hell of a thing. Uh, I'm not sure how long it takes to get this done, but I would not be surprised if you have to have a week waiting period without your laptop. So be prepared for that and ask before you give your only computer in if you don't have a backup. Um, they are doing the If it is malfunctioning, they are doing this free of charge. Um, they are... There's no... According to the article here, there's no indication of 
whether or not they have a new design that works better or if they're just swapping out, you know, malfunctioning bad designed hardware for just functioning bad designed hardware. We're not sure yet. Um, Apple has also said that they are going to be expanding the keyboard warranty to four years from the date of purchase. Um, everything, everything else is a standard one-year warranty, but your keyboard will be warrantied for four years from that point on, from the day you bought it. So that's, that's good. Um, I'd rather them just fix the goddamn keyboard, but four years to cover anyone who bought it whose keyboard hasn't failed yet is, you know, acceptable. Uh, so the, uh, the following devices, they have a list here, are eligible for the warranty replacement program. Uh, you got the MacBook Retina 12-inch, uh, early 2015. The MacBook Retina 12-inch, early two, uh, 2016. Uh, MacBook Retina 12-inch, 2017. And then basically any MacBook Pro that has the Thunderbolt ports from 2016 to uh, 2017. Yeah, the 13-inch and the 15-inch, you know. Um, they're saying MacBook Pro 13, 2016, with two Thunderbolt 3 ports. 2017 with two Thunderbolt 3 ports. MacBook Pro 13 with four Thunderbolt 3 ports. Um, in both 2016, 2017, and both the MacBook Pro 15-inch. So like I said, I think that's all the new MacBook Pros. I don't think they really left any of them out there. But yeah. You know, a lot of people are... Uh, some people are okay with this. Some people are happy with what they've done. However, there is an entire social media outcry, and I just got asked to sign a petition for it because I signed a petition to have them do this, to do something about the problem. Um, there's another petition I just got uh, requested to sign that says that a warranty replacement program is not enough. They should offer refunds as well. Um... I'm not sure if I'm I'm not sure if I'm with that one or not, to be honest. Um maybe if it's a 2017, but a 2016, you've had it for two years. I don't know if a refund is necessarily fair on Apple's part. I mean, now, if there was any way to prove that they knew the uh way the knew the keyboard was faulty in any way, then yeah, definitely. It's basically a recall at that point. But I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That's going to take some soul searching and some decision making on my part if I if I give the okay for that one. All right, let's see here. Soul searching, really? Yeah, I got I got a soul search there, Sean. Uh, I like uh, you like how I put this one in the uh, show notes. <laughs> oh, what did it say? Comcast, a sweaty bag of dicks and assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, I could have been more descriptive, I guess, but they are really just a sweaty bag of dicks and assholes. Um, so Comcast, for the longest time, has uh, had a system in place to throttle heavy internet users, and they also have a data cap. So if you use over a terabyte of data, you have to pay you know, an overage fee to continue to use data. I believe it's uh, $10 for each additional 50 gigabytes or you can pay an extra $50 a month and get unlimited data. So Comcast has disabled the throttling system saying that it's unnecessary. It doesn't, yeah, it hasn't, uh, let's see, they have an actual quote here. 
as it says it's been essentially inactive for, for more than a year. Exactly. Um, so update. Let's see. Uh, as reflected in a June 11th, 2018 update to our Infinity Internet broadband disclosures, the congestion management system that was initially deployed in 2008 has been deactivated. As our network technologies and usage of the network continue to evolve, we reserve the right to implement a new congestion management system if necessary uh, in the performance of reasonable network management and in order to maintain a good broadband internet access. So that is a run-on sentence if I've ever read, read one. Good lord, Comcast. <laughs> Add some commas or something. So basically, <clears throat> they weren't using it anymore. It wasn't necessary. Their network has enough headroom that they don't have to limit people. Uh, but if people start taking advantage, they're going to shut them down. Not only that, but the data caps are still in place. Right. So if you don't have to throttle heavy users anymore, why do you still need data caps? Unless you're using them to make money. According to them, it's based on a principle of fairness. As in more money. <laughs> it's fair that we make more money. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so, fair that we provide a service and can charge you whatever the hell we want for exactly. it. Exactly. And they note in this Ars Technica article here that Comcast charges for speeds and usage. Because you, uh, the faster your internet connection, the more money you have to pay, which is pretty much standard on every, you know, every ISP. You know, you get more speed for more money, but now you're also getting more data for more money. How many things can we charge you for? Yeah, and then also if you pay enough, uh, let's see here. It says Comcast two gigabits per second residential fiber service has no data cap. And Comcast business customers don't face data caps either. So, yeah. Um, not cool. Not cool, Comcast. We need to get rid of those data caps. I don't think a data cap on a wired internet connection to a residential area is necessary in any way, shape, or form except for to get money. And especially since you've shown your cards that the uh, congestion management system was unnecessary for at least a year, and that's just what they were. That's that's the amount of time they're admitting to. You know that it probably wasn't necessary even when they turned the goddamn thing on. <laughs> so yeah, a uh, sweaty bag of dicks and assholes right there. All right. See here, AT and T is launching a new streaming service called Watch TV. That's a real clever fucking name. <laughs> and <laughs> the article here in Gizmodo says it's the first streaming service for the post net neutrality world, and it kind of mm. is. It's kind of like all the net neutrality rules all in one. It's a poster child, really. So what it does is, um, it's fifteen bucks. That's uh, makes it five dollars cheaper than the cheapest streaming package, which is uh, Sl uh, Sling's basic package right now, and you get you thirty one channels, including a handful of channels, of course, from Time Warner, which is owned by AT and T. Uh, <laughs> see here, uh, if you have a, an AT and T unlimited plan, uh, you get this for free, apparently, too. Uh, let's see here. 
The lineup is highlighted by Time Warner properties, including Cartoon Network, CNN, TBS, and TNT, along with Viacom channels Comedy Central, BET, VHS, or VH1, and MTV2, but not MTV. Most of the rest of Watch TV's offerings include throw-in channels you may not have heard of previously. What is FYI exactly, is what they say in the article. It's true. I don't know. I've never even heard of that channel. Uh, FYI, US TV Network. Owned by A&E. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Uh, let's see here. It is standalone, so you can get it by itself if you want. This is not uh, DirecTV Now. DirecTV Now is still its own thing. Thank God, because that's what I use. Um, this will... Uh, so you can get a standalone 15 bucks a month, or... If you have AT&T's new unlimited data plans, it is free. Um, let's see here. I like how they put this. AT&T will make available next week two different but equally terribly named unlimited yep. plans. And they are, really. Unlimited and more. And unlimited and more premium. What? Stupid. <laughs> uh, why wouldn't you just have one called unlimited, the other one called unlimited and more? I I even that's horrible. Like, but. It just sounds like just they just threw words together. It's like yeah. super big best gold, <laughs> super big best gold platinum. Shit-spackled like, Muppet fart. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. So, okay, both plans offer a $15 monthly credit that can be applied to the purchase, um, that can be applied to purchase DirecTV satellite TV service. Uh, the unlimited and more plan starts at $70 per month for a single line and offers users access to watch TV for free though the video streaming quality will be capped at 480p. Um, unlimited and more premium starts at $80 per month, so that's 10 bucks more. Uh, it's for one line. Uh, it also, that gets you 1080p video and 15 gigabytes of hotspot data. Uh, it also gives subscribers the ability to choose one premium streaming service that they will get for free each month. These include HBO or Cinemax, which are both owned by Time Warner, Showtime, Stars, Amazon Music Unlimited, or Pandora Premium. Yes. I man. I mean, it's zero rating, number one. Um, that's usually net neutrality-wise a no-no. Um, T-Mobile did this and kind of got dinged for it when they did it. So they sort of, they sort of stopped doing it. Just decided to offer unlimited data again anyway, which is you know much better. I mean, who needs a data cap? We just talked about that. <clears throat> um, as far as the unlocking 1080p video and the 15 gigabytes of hotspot data, I don't know. Um, like I said, this is this is very it's worrisome. I, it's not a giant red flag, but you know, zero rating a bunch of a company's owned assets is worrisome and the problem is you'll never get your average consumer to see how this may or may not be a problem because they're getting something for free so they're blinded by price tags and that's exactly what you know networks and carriers want to have happen well how could you complain we're giving you so much more for just ten dollars well yeah but you know you're probably showing me ads on whatever you know, TV that I'm watching that comes from a distributor that you own. So you're double dipping. You know, it, I don't know. It's worrisome. But like I said, 
Watch TV kind of checks all the net neutrality boxes. So. Didn't take anybody long to figure that one out, did it? Nope. <laughs> I think that only went away like a couple weeks ago, and whew, they're already on it, man. But this is exactly what I said would probably happen. They're going to make really great-looking deals and give people a lot of free stuff to try to lull them in, you know, make people forget the term net neutrality. And then down the road, that's when the real shitty stuff is going to start to happen. The data caps and the throttling and the, you know, they'll um, they'll start making background deals with other companies first so the consumers don't get to see it. You know, Netflix, you got a real nice streaming service here. It'd be a shame if someone limited your bandwidth. Why don't you make a donation to the AT&T CEO's travel fund? So, yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, online shopping is about to lose its one major, well, not its one major edge, but its major edge. Um, not dealing with people and having things show up to your front door so that you don't have to walk past your kitchen to get them. That's, those are all edges. But the one big thing that's always gotten me with online shopping is sales tax. Um, if you're like me and you go to B and H, you know, okay. For instance, uh, I was, I bought that, uh, Panasonic Sonic Lumix GX85, a $600 camera. And if you go to Amazon, it's $600. If you go to B&H, it's $600. The problem is the way sales tax worked, the company that you buy things from only has to charge you sales tax if they are in your physical state, if they have a physical location in that state. Amazon does, which means, uh, well, I don't I think they do. They charge uh, Missouri sales tax regardless. Um, maybe Who's that? Amazon. Yes. Yeah. They, that's because they voluntarily started yeah, doing that's it. that's what it was. It was 48 states that they voluntarily charge uh, sales tax for. And then B&H does not. And they have it on their site that as long as you're not in New York or New Jersey, they don't charge you sales tax. Those two places they have physical stores at, so they have to. So, obviously... I went to B&H to buy my camera because it's the same price and I don't have to pay all that sales tax on it when I buy it. You know, I mean, that's it's a decent amount of money. It's nothing to sniff at. So the problem here is that uh, the Supreme Court has overturned a tax ruling from 1992 that allows state and local governments to collect Internet sales tax. The companies that sell you things now no longer need to have a physical location in your state in order to allow the state to gather sales tax. So you can pretty much guarantee every single state is going to jump on this like fleas on a dog. They are immediately going to make all these online retailers start charging sales tax. So that is, like I said, one of the big um, edges that online retailers have had over other store, you know, brick and mortar stores for a long time because there was a there was a very long period there where if I found something I wanted at a local store, I would look it up on Amazon if the price was exact I mean it could be exactly the same or even like a quarter more and I would buy, just buy it from Amazon even though I'm literally a foot away from the item. Simply because it gets shipped to my house and I didn't have to worry about the sales tax at the time. You know? So, I mean, what are what are your thoughts on this? Does this bother you? Does it worry you? Do you think it's you think it's going to be a good thing that the states can pull in all this taxes all of a sudden? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't really see a big problem with it. I mean, I feel like it does kind of give them an unfair advantage over stores, you know, that aren't present. You know, that like over brick and mortar stores. Uh, so yeah, I don't see why everybody shouldn't just be forced to pay the same tax. If it's okay to like, I guess we either need to make the internet retailers pay the same sales taxes or eliminate the sales taxes for the brick and mortar stores. That'll never, you know, either, either regardless, it's, I don't, I don't see why they should be treated any differently. Okay. I, I, I mean, I agree begrudgingly. I, it, it always felt like a loophole to me, but it was one I was more than happy to exploit. You know? the, uh, I, I find the Supreme Court ruling to be interesting. Um, I clicked through and went to the Bloomberg article that uh, gave the actual breakdown. And the, um, the justices that voted in favor of this were Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Samuel Alito joining Anthony Kennedy in the, in the majority. So in that situation, you've got Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, uh, and Samuel Alito, who are all conservative justices. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is a very liberal justice, and Anthony Kennedy, who is technically a swing, you know, or well, I guess he would be considered the swing, even though I think he is uh, more liberal than he is conservative. Um, so it, it, as they say in the Bloomberg article, the the, the decision cut across ideological lines. And uh, and then in the dissent written by the chief justice, John Roberts, also a conservative on the court, um, his dissent isn't even really ideological, at least in the one line that they devote to it in the Bloomberg article, because he just says that they should have left it to Congress to change the physical presence rule. So it's really not even like he ideologically disagrees with the taxes or anything. He's just saying it wasn't really our posi- our job here to, to change this rule. Like this is something that should have been changed at the legislative level, not at the judicial level. So that's just kind of – it's kind of interesting. Like this is how the court is supposed to work. You know what I mean? Like it's not supposed to always vote right wing this, left wing that, and everyone is talking about their ideological viewpoints. Like I like the fact that this just seems to be like a tried and true – court case where you know people just voted their opinions of you know how the law should be interpreted and and aren't and they're putting their you know or it doesn't even pertain to their necessarily their ideological beliefs true true and then also um something that i found very interesting is that um you know large companies are viewed very differently from small businesses uh, when it comes to tax law and it looks like this doesn't technically apply to very small businesses, the people that sell, you know, products on like eBay and stuff like that. Um, so you could you could technically say if the if Congress were able to uh, clear cut a tax exemption for super small businesses, you know, this would allow for small businesses to actually grow quite a bit. Because if a small business sells the same product and doesn't have sales tax, I'm more willing to buy it there. And then that increases the small business's growth until they get to a point where they have to start charging sales tax because they're big enough, and then it doesn't matter to them anymore. 
So this could be good on those fronts too. Could help build up small businesses. I don't know. It could go either way, really, I guess. But it is the great equalizer now. You know, um, brick and mortars have been waiting for this for a long time. So now everyone has to gasp. <sighs> they must compete on price. <laughs> you know, like regular businesses. All right. Um, <laughs> Sean, do you remember games like Zork? I know of them. Okay. Uh, text-based, choose-your-own-adventure RPG type games. Go west. Exactly. Go west. Pick up sword. Yeah, open door. Fight <laughs> troll. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So when Bethesda had their uh, E3 conference, one of the things, and everyone thought it was a joke at first, because uh, Jordan Peele was, uh, I, I believe it was, no, uh, it was uh, Keenan, I think. Uh, it was um, a little ad that they did, basically uh, showing an, a, a Skyrim version for the Amazon Echo. And uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can play this. Part. The Elder Scrolls speak of the past and the future. Now, Skyrim looks to the future, to its ultimate version. <laughs> Alexa, play Skyrim. You're level 57 and see a tall snowy mountain. Climb it. Now, Skyrim <laughs> and Climb life it. become one. A mud crab scuttles towards the... Fosroda! I didn't catch that. Fosroda! I didn't quite Fos catch that. Fosroda! Your shout echoes all the way to Sovngarde. What happened? Fosroda. That's the command for knocking things over. <laughs> Is there a command for picking shit up? Haven't reached that level yet. I'm sworn to carry your burdens. Ooh. The dragon. So yeah, Osroda. <laughs> and when people saw this, they were you know it was funny. It was like ah, Skyrim's poking fun of the fact that they keep putting out different versions and getting more money. Uh, I myself have bought Skyrim like three times, and I'm not proud of it. So. That's all we thought it was, was a joke. And then all of a sudden, the next day, if you go on the Amazon uh, skills page, Skyrim special edition is right there. A very special edition. So I, of course, added it. And sure enough, it is the game. <laughs> you, you literally used voice commands to answer questions about, you know, do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And you have an a it's actually a game like quests and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, attack with sword, attack with magic, attack with this. You can honestly say Fusroda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome and <laughs> fun to play with. It really is. It's a really cool party game because you get you get a lot of people um, who come in and see your yeah, you're playing with your uh, Echo, and you start this game, and they just, they're just they blown away. Um, I just got a, a new one today, and from what I understand, you don't even have to install this one. You don't have to add it as a skill. If you have an Echo, it should be able to just do this. What you do is you, you say your, key, your opening word, and then you say, 
uh, Start Westworld. And what it is is you are a guest going through the maze of Westworld, one interaction at a time. And it uses sounds and voices and everything from the Westworld series. How awesome is that? Let me uh, see if I can get... uh... Do you know where you are? Like you've seen it before? Or does it feel like you're finally seeing for the first time? The answers will determine if you die. Or live on. And find the center of the maze. Alexa, open Westworld. <laughs> it's so cool. So they say there's more than two hours of unique gameplay. Uh, although, if your knowledge of the series is up to par, you should be able to get through it in about 20 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's, it's really cool. Because, like, with the Skyrim... It's still all done in elect in. Um, I gotta not say her voice because it's mounted right in front of my face. Uh, it's uh, echo. It's all in Echo's voice. So it's you know it's fun, but it's not that immersive. However, the Westworld one is actually like a produced audio file. You know, you have Clementine who comes up to you the first thing and says, "Not much of a rind on you." You know, and then you have the madam. It's not, um, not Maeve. Um, I forget her, um, Thandi Newton. It's not her, but it's a different woman. And she's just, you know, a whole voice actor just talking to you, asking you questions. And you have to answer. You know, she says, you know, what will you have to drink? And then light comes on. And you're like, um, the whiskey. And she goes, oh, okay, sure enough. And she says, you know, go to the bartender, says, give us the good stuff and not that stuff you filter through your gym socks or whatever she says i forget what it is um but yeah it's pretty fun it's a little uh interactive choose your own adventure because i don't know why it's so cool to me but it is a lot of fun to play around with so if you got yourself an echo um try uh you know start westworld or install the skill for the skyrim one and see you know see what you're missing well, this uh, this is not gonna make this is not I, gonna make you buy anything, is it? So. I uh, no. Although the the just the Skyrim does it is intriguing, you know. I might, uh, I might I, have I to would, buy you a dot for Christmas I, or something. I would find it fun to just sit here and yell Fusro dot at the at the dot. I didn't understand Fusro dot. Fusro dot. Yeah, I might have to get you a dot for Christmas or something. When's your birthday? Uh, September 10th. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so that's uh, that's all we got for tech. And now time for movie news. Oh, time for movie news. Yes, it is. We don't have a whole hell of a lot of movie news. Um, so, you know, there's that. As a matter of fact, both the stories are very derivative of one another, but... That's okay. Uh, I am a, a MoviePass uh, subscriber. And when I first joined the service, there was very little uh, like rules. There were very few limitations to it. $10 a month got me one movie a day, 365 days a year. I could watch the movie multiple times. All I had to do was check in at the theater when I got there. The rest was all just normal. You know, swipe the card, pay for it, boom, done. They have added some other 
issues. Um, one, the first thing they did, which didn't really bother me, is after you get your movie, you have to take a picture of your ticket stub and send that to them. That's what? fine. They did it because pe- they didn't want people going to the theater using MoviePass to buy a movie and then selling the ticket. They wanted to make sure that you physically had the ticket stub, that you got the ticket torn, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's fine. They made it a relatively seamless experience because as soon as you check in, it asks you to upload a picture of the stub and you just hit the button, take a picture of it, and you're done. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, However, they did change another thing just recently, and it is a big fecking deal, and I hate it. And it's made me pretty much decide to either take so much advantage of them that they lose money or cancel the service altogether. Because the one thing that I love more than anything else is when I see a good movie, I want to go back multiple times. When they first started, they disallowed that. They weren't able to see a movie more than once. Then they allowed it. That's why I joined. Now they're disallowing it again. You can't see a movie more than once, which is dumb. So that's a problem. And now... They have announced that they are going to start what is called surge pricing. So for normal movies, normal times, all this different stuff, your pricing doesn't change at all. However, there will be some times when a hit movie comes out on opening night, for instance, that they will charge you an additional $2 to see that movie because it's in high demand. Which, I mean, is not necessarily a deal breaker if you watch a bunch of movies using the movie pass. $2 is not that big of a deal. But it makes it more complicated. And once you start making things more complicated, it gets less and less, you know, uh, less and less fun to go see a movie. I've got to take, I got to check in on an app, which means I have to do it when I'm pretty much standing in front of the kiosk because I have to be within a certain range to the theater. And then I've got to get, I got to pull out the card. And I have to swipe the card and pay for my tickets. And then I got to get my tickets. I got to get them torn. Then I got to take a picture of the ticket and send that. If I'm in an area with no signal, you know, I've got a certain amount of time I can send it, like a day or so. Um, but it's before my next purchase. If I don't send that stub, I can't get another movie ticket the next day. Yeah, you know, so they're adding all these little piddly shit things that are making the service less interesting than it was when it first started. Um, they will also be adding um, several different features. As a matter of fact, I, uh, they emailed me this, and I can probably bring it up here. Maybe. I might have deleted it. Um, but they're adding features where you can pay extra to have uh, 3D and IMAX movies uh, added to your account. You, know, you can go see a 3D or an IMAX movie, uh, which you can't do right now. It's only 2D regular theaters. You know, So that, for some people, that might be interesting. I just watch everything in a regular theater, so I don't care. Um, bring a friend is something that they're doing where uh, you can add a ticket, you know, buy your ticket and then add a second ticket for what they are saying a portion of the retail price. We don't know what that actually is yet, but it will be a discount of some sort. That might be handy, to be honest. I do go see movies with a lot of, you know, me and one friend. So that might be worthwhile, but we'll see. And then, um, like I said, the surge pricing thing, which I I do understand why they would do this for like an opening night or something like that. 
I'm, I'm probably, I'm cool with this, really, because I, I never go see movies on opening night, so this doesn't necessarily affect me. But, god damn it, that multiple movie thing pisses me off. So, actually, what I ended up doing once they instituted that multiple movie thing, I literally just went to go see movies I didn't even care about, <laughs> just so they lost money on the ticket pricing. <laughs> I'm a vindictive little asshole, and the company screw with me, you know. Well, it sounds like they're going under. I mean, oh well, they're losing like forty million a. Yeah, that's what it says at the bottom of the article. Like they're tanking. They're just trying anything they can right now to keep the thing afloat. Yeah, yeah. Um, AMC is actually launching its own subscription plan. Uh, If you go to AMC theaters, I really wish this was a Marcus thing because Jesus, there's. I mean, there's AMC theaters around, but nowhere near me. You know, so Marcus Theaters, Marcus and Werenberg, good God, if you guys start a subscription service that is on par with the m- amount I pay for, like, MoviePass or something, please, please, I, w- I would so be on board with that. Uh, as long as it's easier than MoviePass, because MoviePass is just getting freaking hard. Um, and because MoviePass is starting to lose its luster, there is another game in town who's trying to uh, steal their lunch money. Called cinema with an S. Not sure. It's like cinema. Cinema. Yeah. Stupid name. Sorry, but it's not a good name. Uh, However, what they are offering is not horrible. So it's. uh, Let me see if I can get to their website. Good lord. Uh, I had it at one point. I had it up here at one point. I freaking closed the tab. They actually offer, uh, they don't offer as many movies uh, as MoviePass does, because MoviePass is one one movie per day, 365 days a year. If you've already got the subscription, I think new subscriptions are limited to four movies a month. And so that's one movie a week, which is most, most of the time that's all people watch anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so the Cinemia plans uh, for single people, you have a classic that is all regular, you know, it's a regular theaters, nothing special, but it's any theater, no blackout days, and you, the thing about Cinemia is that you can buy your tickets in advance. So MoviePass, you have to be at the theater, check in on your phone, and go buy the movie right then. You have to use a card to do it. Cinemia allows you to use their app to pre-buy tickets weeks in advance if you want to reserve your seats and then you don't have to actually it's cardless you don't you, your tickets are just there you don't have to swipe anything or do any of that crap um you don't you also don't i believe you don't have to like take pictures of ticket stubs or whatever um i mean it says you do get a prepaid debit card to buy the tickets well yeah We're- if and I think MoviePass does this too, where some but it says theaters, you, can, you buy them through the theater, or you can go through a go between like Adam Fandango or yeah. MovieTickets.com. So I guess that's how you can still purchase them in advance. Exactly, which is fantastic because you can't do that with MoviePass. You have to check in at the theater when you do it, and it's right. it's horrible. Um, so one movie ticket per month is five dollars a month. Uh, that's I mean. That's a deal for around here that's about $5 cheaper than the regular movie ticket would cost you. Uh, as long as it's you know not some promotional day or something like that. Uh, they also have a two tickets per month for $7 a month, which is an even better deal. You know, that's uh, well, $7 a month is uh, about $13 cheaper 
than what it would cost you to go to the movies in our area. Uh, the Elite uh, version, uh, you can get two movie tickets per month. And this also uh, features uh, 3D, IMAX, and 4DX. So this is all the premium movie uh, theaters that you can go to. Like the, I think, I forget what Werenberg Marcus calls it. It's like a <coughs> 3D, or a, it's a DXL screen or something weird. But, you know, it's all the premium stuff that MoviePass doesn't even allow just yet. Um, then you also have a three movie tickets per month elite plan that is $15. Still a decent deal. So these are all really good deals. They also, this is something MoviePass doesn't even, doesn't even remotely have, and that is family plans. So... They have family plans set up. It's called Movie Day per, for Two. And it's one... Uh, you get one... Uh, let's see here. You select your number of people. So, for instance, Sean, we'll, we'll do this for you. <clears throat> so, number of people is two. For $9 a month, you can get one movie day. So, that's a day where you and your wife go see a movie. Nine bucks a month. Any theater, no blackouts. That's pretty good. That's not bad. It would cost you guys probably $20, $20, $22 to go see a movie, just with tickets. Sure. You know, um, you could do two movie days a month for $15. Still a really good deal. Yeah. Uh, then you can go to the Elite one where you get the, you know, the 3D and the IMAX and all those special ones. Two movie days for 20 Still a good deal. Um, sure. You move up three days for 30 Ten dollars. That's still five bucks a ticket. You know, that's it's, it's a really great deal. I just wish they had more movies because I would like to have the family plan. Because, for instance, with me, I'm a I'm a family of three, so one movie day is um, fifteen dollars a month. You know, two movie days is twenty five. So it it does go up about it's about five dollars a ticket, no matter how you how you really cut it. But, you know, my biggest problem is that I take the family to go see a movie like once or twice, maybe, in a month. But I see movies constantly. So I'd like them to be able to come up with a, like a, I don't know, almost where you buy the single plan and then you have a thing where you can buy a movie day. You know? Like, I pay for a single plan at $10 a month, and then for an extra $10, I can get the other two tickets. You know, for just one one month, I just want to go see, with my daughter and wife, you know, Teen Titans go to the movies. And I have the classic plan with one, one ticket per month for me, but then f- to add them, I just, you know, tack on 10 bucks or whatever. That would be cool. So, send me a, you know, add that. So, but then again, like I said, I am grandfathered into the old version of MoviePass, so until until they take away my one movie a day for 365 days, this is more expensive, because I can see more movies now. It's just, you can't, if you think about it, you can't technically ever use that, now that they've limited you to seeing a movie one time, because not that movie, that many movies come out to be able to see one movie a day, a different movie each day. You know? So they kind of... That was that was the big reason that it bothered me more than anything, is the fact that they're 
they're giving you something. You know, hey, this car can go 300 miles an hour. Forget that it has a speed governor that stops it at 120. You know, that <laughs> kind of thing. It's <laughs> They're marketing one thing and then making it impossible for it to actually happen. Yeah. Seems very used car salesman. <sighs> are you... Uh, are you tempted to buy any of these kind of uh, things? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, even the I mean, the one with like the cup, you know, the the, the husband and wife or, you know, two tickets or whatever, uh, you know, one movie day a, a month for nine dollars or what. I mean, that's not that sounds like a, gr- a great deal. Uh, I just don't even go to the movies that often, you know, Um and I just don't think having that deal in my pocket w- would uh, inspire me to go to the movies more often. I there's I don't think there's enough movies that I would want to go see, you know, that are that just come out in general. Yeah. Even and, if I wasn't a lazy asshole who doesn't want to get up and go to the theater. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't typically like my my big thing is like I said multiple viewings. You know, because I went with uh, I went to see Deadpool two like twice already, but I I like to be able to see multiple uh, one movie multiple times because I go with different people because I don't like going in a big group. Right. Um, I want to go with one person and then talk to them in the vehicle on the way home about the movie. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, like you said, it definitely sounds like Movie Pass is having some financial issues. Which, I mean, surprise, surprise. <laughs> it was too good to be true. <sighs> All right. So. LOL. Was that? There can only be one Highlander. Did you know lap- uh, lobsters are pretty much immortal? Did you know that? I didn't know that. I find this hard to believe. Uh, medically, they are immortal. Uh <laughs> You know, they, the funny thing is in this article, it talks about them making a deal with the devil and, you know, the devil giving them immortality, but he always gets his due. So he has to make one caveat. And what's funny is uh, I agreed with one of the tweets that was in here where it says, uh, I thought the caveat was going to be, I'll make you immortal, but also very delicious. <laughs> um, but that is not the case. So what happens is lobsters, like when you grow old. Okay, growing old, the, the whole process biologically of growing old is basically your chromosomes, which are the, you know, the information that your cells use to reproduce themselves, to split and make more, to heal you, to keep you going. Um, <clears throat> those are held together. I mean, they're tightly wound strands of DNA, and they're held together by little things called telomeres. And telomeres are uh, kind of like what they call aglets on your shoelaces, the little plasticky ends that hold them together and keep them from unraveling you as a human you cannot replace telomeres which means eventually as they you know reproduce and get re-encoded over and over and over and over again you start to lose telomeres and your dna strands unravel which means they can't be used anymore that's when you start to grow old and die that's i mean that is the human condition you lose those you're done um which, by the way, is one of the things that people said was killing old man Logan in the movie Logan was DNA replication, which is kind of cool. Lobsters, on the other hand, are able to replace those, which means they don't grow old. 
they just get bigger. You know, so they molt and they get a bigger skeleton and a bigger skeleton and a bigger skeleton. Um, it says here that the the largest lobster ever caught was in 1977, and it was 44 pounds and estimated to be 140 years old. Can you imagine a 44? I mean, there's, an, uh, there's a picture in the show notes or in the article in the show notes that's a 22-pound, 50-year-old lobster. So that means it's twice as big as that sucker. <laughs> that is frightening. <laughs> yeah, is, I was going to say, that's kind of terrifying. Its pincer is like larger than the technician's hand that's next to it. Like by uh, probably a factor of two, I would say at least. Uh, that is just absolutely terrifying. It could take off a leg, man. That'd be nuts. So, so they never, they never grow old. They just keep replacing their skeleton. What does kill them? This is where the devil gets his due. Is that molting takes a lot of energy, you know, coming out of their skeletons. Um, number one, you're soft and chewy at that point, which <laughs> we all know what that means in the ocean. Uh, but it does take a lot of energy to do this as well. So, <clears throat> as they get larger, it takes more and more and more energy until at one point, either they can't break out of their shells because it's too difficult or they expend so much energy breaking out of their shells that they die slowly or sh shortly after. Um, so imagine you're immortal, but now you're being suffocated by your own skeleton. Yeah, that sucks. That would blow. <laughs> so yeah, they're uh, they're immortal, but it as... reminds me of the uh, audio books that I listened to the uh, the Hard Luck Hank series of books. It's about the guy who lives on the space station, and he's a he's a mutant, and like he's like super dense, you know, like bullets bounce off of him and things like that. <clears throat> and but anytime he does take damage, his body repairs itself, and he becomes even more dense. And, you know, he's been blown up and things like that. And as the books go on and he takes more and more damage, like his body became more and more dense and became like crushing his own internal organs and things like that. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same situation. You know, he was being crushed yeah. by his own mutation, essentially, by his own body weight. Yeah, it's almost it's pretty much exactly. So that that's awesome. I, I find that scientifically just so interesting and so intriguing. Um, the thing is that now, you know, obviously this is something that if you could get it to work in humans, I mean, the, it would be unbelievable. The medical aspects of this, you know, uh, so many different diseases and organ failures would just be a thing of the past because they just wouldn't break down anymore. Then the rich people become immortal and the plebs end up dying slow and painful lives and they all live in their uh, space skyscrapers and we're all living down here in the trash and rats and yeah, took a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, okay let's see here so next flicks oh what do we got <clears throat> pardon me i must take a drink i've been talking a lot in this one this one's going really long we're at two and a half hours so far jesus uh, okay, so we're going from June 25th till July 6th. 
Happy 4th of July, anyone who gives a cred. I know some of our listeners aren't in America and they don't care. So. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so our first movies coming out are going to be Friday, June 29th. Sicario, Day of the Soldado. I hope I said that right. Maybe not. Let's see. Benicio del Toro, Josh Brolin, uh, Catherine Keener. In Sicario, Day of the Soldado, uh, the series begins a new chapter. In the drug war, there are no rules, and as the cartels have begun trafficking terrorists across the U.S. border, federal agent Matt Graver calls on a mysterious uh, Alejandro. Oh, just first name, Alejandro. Uh, whose family was murdered by a cartel kingpin to escalate the war. Next. None of this sounds interesting to me. The first one was supposedly very good. I've never even heard of it, so... Um... I I think when I... I think when I did... We did it on Nextflix uh, for just the first one, I don't know if you nexted it or not, but I think we were interested in it. Just based on the fact that Benicio Del Toro and the story sounded interesting. Um, I have, I never watched it, but yeah, no, I me neither. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> this one looks kind of funny, but I'm still torn about it. Uncle Drew, uh, Kyrie Irving, Shaquille O'Neal, Lil Rel Howery, Nate Robinson, Nick Kroll, and Reggie Miller. After draining his life savings to enter a team in the Rucker Classic Streetball Tournament in Harlem, Dax is dealt a series of unfortunate setbacks, including losing his team to his long-term rival, uh, played by Nick Kroll. Desperate to win the tournament and the cash prize, Dax stumbles upon the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Drew, um, and convinces him to return to the court one more time. The two men embark on a road trip. All right, next. Yeah, it took too long. It's the it's the old basketball players movie. Uh, okay, Who, some uh, of them you... aren't actually old basketball players. They're you've got like um, what was it Kyrie Irving? I think is the guy that's uh, yeah, he's actually Nick, an NBA basketball player. Nick Kroll is funny. Oh, Nick Kroll is hilarious. Reggie Miller and Shaquille O'Neal are clearly like the old basketball yeah. players. You know, uh, uh, I question anything Shaquille O'Neal stars in. Um, the, there's one joke. That I've seen in the trailer. It's one of those times where you hope they're not getting giving up all their good jokes in the trailer. Right. One part where Shaquille O'Neal punches Kyrie Irving. And Irving gets up saying, that's the first and only free throw you've ever landed. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it looks like it could be funny, but we'll have to see. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll go see it with my movie pass. There you go. <laughs> Go on opening mm. night. Oh, this one's streaming. I hope that doesn't uh, taint your palate. <laughs> you said taint. taint. Escape Plan 2, Hades. Sylvester Stallone, Jamie Oh, King. next. I saw this trailer. <laughs> next, next, next. <laughs> oh, but the first one was so good. Again, another one that I did not know the first one existed. It was, um, I mean, it was okay, but it was not what I would Yeah, it's call got great. Sylvester Stallone in it. I think I saw Dave Bautista. Yeah. Um, uh, 50 Cent, I think, was in it. Um, Probably. 
Yeah. Uh, no, no thanks. This is one of those action, super action movies <laughs> or something. Action for the sake of being action. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, July 6th. So this will be the last one we talk about. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Paul cool. Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michael Pena, T.I. Sure. Uh, in the aftermath of Captain America's Civil War, Scott Lang grapples with the consequences of his choices as both a superhero and a father. As he struggles to rebalance his home life with his responsibilities as Ant-Man, he's confronted by Hope Van Dyne and Dr. Hank Pym with an urgent new mission. Scott must once again put on the suit and learn to fight alongside the Wasp as the team works together to uncover secrets from their past. Yeah, I like Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. He's hilarious, yeah. so I'll watch it, surely. Yeah, I liked the first one, so. What's wrong, little guy? You, you want a juice box and some cheese sticks? <laughs> Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, I've seen the trailer. It looks pretty funny. <laughs> I like that. All right, let's see here. Um, lots of limited ones, so I'm just going to pick a limited one. Um, uh, sure, why not? Okay. <clears throat> Bleeding Steel. Jackie Chan, Show Low. Um, Callan Mulvery, Tess Halbrich. In an action-packed drama reminiscent of 80s techno sci-fi thrillers, Jackie Chan stars as Lin, a police inspector. Why is he always a police inspector? <laughs> in modern Hong Kong. While tracking down a deranged mecha-enhanced villain, Lin discovers that a geneticist's lost biochemical invention has been surgically implanted into his missing daughter. That got complicated. Next. Jesus. Too complicated. <laughs> that got really complicated fast. Okay, I gotta reread this. Hold on. So he's tracking down a deranged mecha-enhanced villain. So a cyborg. Would be probably okay. an easier way to say that. <laughs> then Lynn discovers, so Jackie Chan discovers, that a geneticist's lost biochemical invention has been surgically implanted into his missing daughter. So the biochemical. So in addition to tracking down this cyborg villain, he also has a missing daughter. Yeah, that has a lost biochemical invention in her. Right. People losing shit, man. Yeah, that got complicated fast. Jesus. All right. Anyway, so that's all we got. That's all of them. Sean, uh, oh, I can't wait to see what this first one is. Uh, what the hell are you up to? Uh, all right. So the first one is a TV show. Uh, oh. I, found it. <laughs> I thought it was directed at me. <laughs> no. I mean, it is. Oh, okay. But, uh, but no, it's actually the title of a TV show. I found it on Hulu. It's uh, It's actually on FXX. Uh, if you want to watch it on network and it's called you're the worst um let's see who are the actors on it here i brought it up I a second chris ago. gear Aya yeah cash. chris gear and aya cash are the yeah. two main stars and uh kether donahue and desmond borges um it is yet another sitcom uh, about, you know, I mean, as you can tell by the title, uh, it is yet another sitcom that is just about a bunch of terrible, terrible people, you know. <laughs> um, however, 
while like a show, you know, a show like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know, like these are they're all just terrible people and it's just hilarious and and you don't really know they don't dive into the, you know, the 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 processes or the the reasonings behind why you know the characters are horrible human beings whereas you're the worst kind of like takes a little bit of uh, of a dire- you know it goes in that direction a little bit and and you know it, it it deals with a lot of mental health issues and and things like that and it's it's just a really weird really funny um really dark sitcom that I found and uh, and we've been watching it this whole weekend um, and I think actually started last weekend so uh, there's three seasons right now on Hulu and I believe there are four seasons total so when season five airs later in 2018 uh, I'm assuming that's when season four will then hit Hulu of course so um, yeah, if you're looking for a new, you know, comedy, uh, dark, dark, disturbing comedy, uh, you know, about, uh, terrible human beings and, and their love lives and just, I mean, it's just so twisted sometimes. Uh, I can't even, uh, I can't really describe it any, any other way, but, uh, it's hilarious and, uh, I'd, I'd recommend giving it a chance on, on Hulu or, uh, FXX. Cool. All right. And then the second thing is I am still playing that stupid baseball game that we talked about <laughs> from the last podcast, okay? So uh, – and 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 really I, I had to phone this one in because other than watching that show over the weekend here, I haven't really done anything. Uh, when I get home from work, I've, I've been playing that game until until my wife gets home. And I've developed stronger feelings about it than I had last time when I said I was going to try to be nice. Now I'm not. There are some <laughs> major freaking issues with this game, man. Like uh, it is it, – it, it, first of all, for being such a cheap rinky-dink game that only costs twenty nine ninety nine and doesn't have you know like a, a dozen different features that a, a real game would have – the loading times are the most obscene things I have ever had to deal with. I mean, I am talking about waiting minutes for the game to load. You know, it is it is ridiculous. Like I can like start a, a start a, a, the next game in my season, and then like put the controller down and read a book in the meantime while I wait for the damn game to actually load. It is it is just ridiculous. Ridiculous, and I am. Pr- I feel like I am pretty lenient when it comes to load times, you know. But maybe it's just because of the quality of game, you know. Like when I have to wait, you know, a minute in between load times for, you know, from a door opening in Skyrim or Fallout, I'm like, nah, it's a big game, I get it. Whereas this, I'm like, dude, you need to load nine dudes on a baseball diamond, you know, and and it just took two minutes for this stupid thing to load. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's really drives me nuts. And then there's a lot of issues with just like the gameplay mechanics, in my opinion, uh, you know, like the few you, and you've played baseball games on your, on your PlayStation before, you know, like the, the fielding I feel is, is off in a way, you know, um, the, the players don't quite move fast enough to the batted ball. So I feel like a lot of thing, like I have to track backwards a lot to get the, to the ball. Um, and 
they uh, like it's one of it's like you you have to be very precise you know like you've got to be like right on line with that ball there is no forgiveness in this game if you are not right on line with the ball that's coming directly at you it will roll right by you and then you know you've got to turn around and run all the way back to the wall to get it in the outfield or whatnot uh um i've had issues where the ball has been hit directly at my player and he he has possession of the ball and i'm like repeatedly hitting the button saying throw to first base and he just stands there frozen you know just completely glitched until the runner makes it to first and then the game just sits there frozen for like a minute or two before it just goes on to the next batter as if nothing ever weird happened and uh and and so things like that that's when i have to like reboot the game you know like i'm fine playing a game but like when i when a glitch in it uh, causes me to lose the game, you know, the individual game that I'm playing or like, you know, give up runs or something like that. Like I have to either, I just turn the damn thing off cause I'm so angry or I have to reboot the game. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow my team's record to be affected by shitty coding. I, I, yeah, there's just so there's so many things that are frustrated with me, but yet I keep playing it. I can't stop because it's the only baseball game I can play on the Xbox, you know. So I guess this boils down to me begging and pleading for you know a real game to be put out for the Xbox that I can play baseball wise. That's not just this rinky dink RBI baseball. All right, <laughs> awesome. Um, let's see. For me, I have been buying an Xbox One S, number one. Uh, I got a absolute killer deal on one. Uh, long story short, I ended up getting it for what equi- what is the equivalent of $50. So, I mean, $200 console with Battlefield 1 for 50 bucks. Yeah, why not? So, I, I went ahead and I bought that. Uh, I'm trying out the Game Pass uh, free trial right now, playing around on some games. That way I don't have to go out and buy games for it. Also, I have all my 360 titles, which was really the driving force behind it. Is that that way I can play, you know, like Red Dead Redemption again and all that without having to break out my old Xbox 360. Um, because I have Game Pass, I have been playing Sea of Thieves. I just started it last night. So I haven't gotten more than like a couple hours in on it, but I like it. It's kind of fun. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot. I didn't have any interactions with anybody, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I'm a solo sailor. Stealth is my friend. I turn off all my lanterns on my ship so that uh, nobody sees me floating around in the dark. <laughs> like a turd in a toilet bowl. <laughs> Just bobbing up and down, little black thing in the in the wind. So, um, And then, of course... Uh, like we talked about le- earlier, I have been playing the living crap out of Westworld Mobile uh, pretty much nonstop. Every time I sit down for any reason, I open it up and start up some guest interactions and print some biomaterials, and these are all things you'll learn if you play the game. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's free. Now, Why not? If you, you have know? a chance to play the game, if they don't get, if they get don't have to remove it from the market. Yep, get on it. Download it now. Quick. Hurry. Run. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Other than that, not a whole lot going on here. So, thank you for uh, joining us for another episode, guys. I know this one 
kind of ran a little long. Holy cow, we're at two two hours and forty minutes right now, and there's not much of that that's empty space. So we spent a long time complaining about video games and stuff at the beginning of the episode <laughs> before we got into the yeah. video game category. Like that was in the blurbs, and we just well, I just bitched about video games for quite some time. That's... But it's your fault. You started it. I I'll take blame. I don't care. So we only do this once every other week. They can they can listen to half of it now and half of it later. So uh, guys, like I said, thanks for joining us. Join us next uh, in a couple weeks for another episode. <sighs> I got nothing for you, Sean. I need to probably start writing down things to have you say and or do at the end of episodes, really. So I can refuse to say and or do them? It's kind of the way it used to work before. Yeah, pretty much. Sounds good to me. How about uh, how about you refuse to say or do anything? That's I refuse it. to do that. <laughs> I refuse to do that on the basis that I do not want to. I refuse to refuse. I'll do anything you want. <laughs> I'm very compliant. <laughs>